0: You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, proudly sponsored by LFG Australia.
1: The Dice Men Cometh! Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is Leon yet again with the Dice Men. Cometh all your favourite board games, card games, role playing games, and everything you can find on, in, around, or anywhere near a table. Episode three hundred and forty-two. I'm here with Mark and Garth, but they're not going to talk right now because you're going to hear for them for the whole next of the bloody episode. What? Stop doing that for God's sake, because they're going to talk more about pack stuff and they have lots of interviews, just like they had on last episode. And then this week, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff to do with uh, indie designers and whatnot. And the theme mm. for this week, I believe, is water. That's water is the theme for this week.
2: Well, unfortunately, lots of Australia have suffered from too much water yeah. lately, so it's kind of apt. Although one of the games we're talking about is Floodlands.
1: Yes, it's a very insensitive on our part, but that's just the way that the cookie crumbles, I'm afraid.
3: <gasps>
1: have we got have we got cookies though? No, we we haven't. Although we've probably just lost a few listeners taking the piss out of what's happened to those poor people over there, which we do sympathise with. We do our love our mainland family going through some horrible times at the moment.
2: Yes. Well, we are actually sitting in a game studio that wouldn't exist if... if it wasn't for if, the floods, if, yeah. If it wasn't... My house was partially destroyed in the flood. But hang on a minute!
0: The reason why we was sound is because... Welcome to part two of the Pax Travaganza!
1: Oh yes, trademark. <laughs> that, that is a thing.
0: That's right, so in case... You haven't listened to episode 341 yet. Go back and listen to it because that's part one of the Pax Travaganza where we talked to to a whole bunch of big game studios and distributors and all the big
1: guns of the Australian gaming industry. But in this episode... No one wants to hear about that. No one wants to hear about the big corporate greedy people with all their millions and millions of dollars and stuff. I do. Yeah, we love it. Because they're all really cool people. (laughs) They're (laughs) all all very lovely. Jokes, they're lovely. But in this episode... You can tell who didn't go to Pax Yeah, that's
2: right. (laughs) Didn't we give him we didn't give him any of that money, did we? No. Never
1: mind, Leon. And the amount of people that I'm sure asked about where's Leon and whatnot is, is heaps, right? It's heaps. It's heaps. Is there a cricket button on <laughs> this? No, no, that's that, way what,
0: too what, what, cool. What? Yeah. Mm. Uh, no. Um, But anyway, <laughs> part two of the pack extravaganza is all about those people who grind away day after day, year after year, decade after decade with their, one amazing game design. And some of them get that game into the light of day. They're the indie publishers. They're the little publishers that could, and in our case that did, and they were there at PAX, whether it be in the TGDA Collaboratory. Collaboratory. That one? Yes. Or whether they were part of the TGDA Rising Stars Award, or whether they were part of the 2021... PAX Indie Showcase that was held online only. And then PAX you could was have kind enough. You could have. could have. PAX was kind enough to say, because you missed out last year having a booth that we would give you, we're going to give you a booth or a stand this year. So there was a whole bunch of those games that came back. And you know what? I interviewed almost all of those people. Yes. I think there is about... 13, 14 interviews with indie publishers, some of them really well-known games in the Australian game scene, some of them brand-new publishers that we've never spoken to before, in fact, didn't even know exist.
2: And that's what I love about this kind of episode. But also, I really loved reconnecting with a lot of people over PAX and getting to meet a whole bunch of new, really inspiring designers. Mm. But I guess we can't talk about that, because we're not going to talk about whether we like PAX or not. Till so maybe an episode in the future That's right. when Leon interviews us yes. about our experiences.
1: Yes, well. when we finally get to Leon's episode. That's what everyone's looking forward to. Part three, where it's Leon's time to shine. Part where three, three least... of what, Leon? Yeah. Part three of what? Pax extravaganza. Trademark part three, yes. But right. before we do that, we've got to talk about two of these indie games that you guys played. But before we do that, we've got to take a break. But before we do that... We've got to talk to people out there about our lovely Patreon. Mm. And thank you to all our patrons out there, especially ones that you guys probably saw over at PAX. Oh, we did. Had a cheeky pat on the back to, or maybe even had a cheeky beer with. We well, even
0: had one of our Patreon supporters that was also a game designer. Oh, lovely. He it, didn't have a game there. Yes, he did. Matt did. Matt, Matt. He Matt absolutely our did. Our friend Matt, our Patreon friend Patented, friend of the Dice Matt, had a game there as well. That's right. I get so confused, Garth, because I talk to so many of
2: them. And oh my goodness, did we uh, give away a few D6s. Mm. Uh, the Men D6s as well to, to backers and to new listeners as yes. well. Yes,
1: and to anybody out there that doesn't know about our Patreon. Basically, it's awesome because what you get is you get some of the lovely Dice Men dice, we do game giveaways uh, every couple of months, and we've got a big old stack of stuff, and if you're a Patreon listener, you get extra entries into those competitions. Oh, look,
0: we should mention, in the last episode, we talked about the new Good Games publishing game, Too Many Cooks. Yep. What we didn't mention in that episode was that copy that we played, and that is autographed by the designer, Jarrah Bloomfield is now going into the game giveaway, which we're going to be doing again very shortly for our Patreon supporters. We generally give away three games every quarter from a massive pile of games
1: we have. Yes, and you get to choose them. It's not just you're going to get this game, end of story. You get to choose from that massive pile. But most importantly, the best thing you get by a mile once a month is the bonus nearly two-hour long after dark episode of the dice men coming which we've done about half a dozen of so far and we have to admit yes thank you man we did have let's just keep going we did have a few sound quality issues for god's sake in some of those episodes which we apologize for but as you can hear in your ears right now we've kind of nailed it but those episodes like i said they're after dark we do a bit of swearing we do a bit more drinking and a bit more casual but they are, by a mile, some of the best episodes that we've ever done of this show, in my opinion, because they're just so much fun. And the format we've been doing of late is being answering a lot of questions from our patrons, as well as doing uh, different various top tens that we don't really normally do on the normal show, because we're too busy talking about all the hotness we've been playing. So it's a great time to let our hair down and our listeners' hair down as well, and just get stuck into some fun. And the last, I think the last three,
0: maybe, have been... Something like two hours, 15 minutes. So, I mean, if you can't get enough of three dice men around a microphone, then two hours, 15 extra a month of dicey dice men goodness.
1: What are you waiting for? Yeah, so I'm afraid you're going to have to listen to us bang on about it quite a bit because we love it and we want more people to hear them because it's awesome. And the people that do hear them, our patrons, we love them and we interact with them quite often. And, you know,
0: look, I guess we've told everyone about how we've moved out of Edge Radio. We're here in Garth's game room with all this really cool audio gear that we bought with the money from our Patreon or... At least we will when we pay ourselves back with some of the future money from our patrons that we get. But also, it enabled us to travel to PAX yeah.
1: and bring this amazing Paxy goodness to you. Yeah, we're not just spending it down the bottle shop. We promise, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that. Uh, we do actually put every <laughs> cent of it back into the podcast, on sending us around Australia and hopefully around the world, and get some nice equipment. But we've prattled on enough. Thank you for your support. Let's have a break and let's talk about some board games. That's what you're here for.
4: My name's Dan. I'm from the Board Game Barbecue. And Leon is my favourite Dice Man.
3: (laughs) That's so harsh.
1: (laughs) So lads, board games. You guys played some indie designers. You played with them. They designed stuff. You played it. Yes. Did I mention you played some games? All of all of what you just said, the answer is a resounding yes. Yes, and they both have something to do with water, apparently. They that's, do! That's the theme for this episode, because we like to theme our episodes because we're professionals.
2: Yes, so let's start by talking about this game called Floodlands. And this game is a little bit of paper. But bit of paper. it has a lot of opportunities. So, look, it's designed by Andrew Carpenter and actually has quite a bit of involvement with good friend of the show, Matt Lee. Mm. So, let's get a little bit of credentials, Matt Lee, you know, editor of the Campaigner magazine, oh, like us, yesterday. founding member of the
1: Kanga Awards, which are, are pretty spectacular. We do love our Matt Lee. Thank you very much.
2: So, let me give you the, the gist of Floodlands, which is a... Yeah, it's a roll and a write.
1: Oh, no. I was about to say, when you said bit of paper, I was going to say, you don't write on that bit of paper, do yeah, you? Sure. You do. It's a roll and bloody write. Yeah. Garth, we've figured this out. We've cracked the code that none of them are any good. Well. Or is this one good? Well, let's talk about it and okay, I'll you tell you. Fine. So
2: heavy rains have caused havoc throughout the region. As one of the apprentice cartographers.
1: Oh, hang on here. <laughs> it is
2: up to you. To use incoming reports to create an updated map of the region. But it's going the council...
1: a lo- It's going to be a long shot. Sorry, hey. the
2: council will surely reward the apprentice skilled enough to put together the most accurate map, contributing to better run aid
1: efforts. Ganjon clever. Sorry, no, that <laughs> I couldn't. Are think you much. just reeling off names of Roland Wrights? Well, you're welcome to that opinion. Hey. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it isn't one, but I just, I did nail it. So, thank you.
2: So, Floodlands is this little roll and write that just looks nondescript. Mm. It's all very brown, but you'll be sitting down at your pack's collaboratory table. Andrew will be there with a stack of pencils and a big thick pad of these little sheets. And he'll give you one of these sheets and he'll say, name your town. Now, I named my town Victory. don't want to ruin ruin what happened here. Um, But you've also got this little central board, which is going to basically be where you put the dice. Now, in any rolling right, you roll some dice, Leon. Do you want to guess how many dice you roll? Six. Three. Oh. You didn't guess very well. (laughs) Sorry. So you're going to roll
1: three dice.
2: Now, what I'm about to explain is singularly the most complicated part (laughs) of Floodlands. When you roll these three dice... That is potentially going to give you three different options for what you can build. Because there are numbers, one through to 12, and you're going to roll those three dice. Now, the way it's going to work, Leon, Uh is that if you roll two of the dice, you'll add those two numbers together. Uh And the third dice that you haven't used is going to be that type of building that you can build. So, say I've rolled a four and a five and a three, just for the sake of argument. I'm hearing you. So add the four and the five together. That makes... Nine. I will then put the three onto the nine space, and that will allow me to build a lumberjack. Oh, he's okay. And the three means it's got to have three
1: land sides. Land sides? You're building a lumberjack. (laughs) He's okay. Not a a lumberjack mill, just a lumberjack himself. Correct. You're building a lumberjack. However,
2: you'll then add the three... And the four together. And what does that give you, Leon? Seven. So I'll put the remaining five onto the seven, which is a house.
1: That's the thing that you build. And that's
2: a house which will have five land edges. Okay. And then you will add the three and the five together, which gives you eight, which will then give you a forest. Lumberjacks like forests. Okay. And you put the four on that, and that's going to allow you to build a lumberjack that has four land edges. He's okay. Sorry, a forest that has four land edges. So this
1: is They're where okay, this is where the make <laughs> oxygen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the start of every round, a player is going to roll three dice, and you're going to basically put them onto the available building slots between one and uh, sorry, between two and twelve that you can do. Aki duck. Now the land edges are the complicated bit because mm. each of you are going to get your little roll and write board, and it starts with a whole bunch of hexes. Think of it like a Catan board, if. All the hexes were blank, and you just had lots of six-sided hexes with nothing on them. Interesting. Except a central tile, which was your town centre. You've got to build out from that town centre, and you've got to build using the confined rules of whatever dice you've rolled. And you do that until you've built up your town, or you can't make any more legal moves. And whoever then does it the best is the winner
1: okay that sounds like a thing I'm just here.
2: saying i named my town victory mm. so want to know what i named my town
1: loserville no
2: what dice town dice town <laughs> population you
1: I was gonna say like, second opolis or something <laughs> runner up dice town come on down to dice town it's the coolest place around
2: so Because you're going to be using all those dice and they're numbered 2 through to 12 with different types of buildings, obviously there's different probabilities. The most likely number when you roll any two D6s is, Leon? Seven. Correct. And then it goes six and eight and nine. So um, when you you look at the different types of buildings that you can have, in no particular order, if you roll a seven, Leon, you can build a house. Now, each house by itself is worth one point. But you know the thing about houses?
1: Uh, They're made out of would sometimes
2: correct <laughs> and they typically aren't all by them lonesome no houses become villages neighborhoods become cities streets so houses will then be one point plus one point for each additional house mm. now what happens it's like some sort of game if you build a lumberjack leon What do lumberjacks need to be productive? What
1: happens if you build a lumberjack? Correct. You're in a fairy tale, I think you'll find.
2: Well, where do fairy tales find themselves in lumberjack town? In the forest. Okay, sorry. So lumberjacks can't really be productive without a forest. So lumberjacks by themselves will score score two points because ah, lumberjacks, they're okay. But they will then score two additional points for each adjacent forest that they can Mm. chop the wood down. Chop, chop, chop. Now, Leon... Say you were, I don't know, the owner of a mill.
1: Oh, that'd be so good! I, well, that is kind I'd, of good. I'd have money. That'd be wicked.
2: Well, I'll give you two. Let's call them victory points for the sake of this. But you know what would make your mill extra productive?
1: Lumberjacks
2: access wood to fields. Okay, so that you can have the grain, so that you can actually mill it into uh, stuff. Yes, yes. So they're like lumberjacks, and they're wood. They're going to be worth even more points for every mill that is surrounded by as many fields as possible.
1: This is all starting
2: to make sense. Exactly. Now, say, say, say...
1: We're not doing this for all 12, are we?
2: Say that you had other stuff.
1: (laughs) Yes. There's miners. Yes.
2: There's fishermen. There's taverns. And there's a blacksmith.
1: Oh, I like some of those things. And
2: all of those are multiplied and become increasingly tricky to get as you get out to the periphery of the 1s and the 2s and the 11s and the 12s But give you lots of victory points if you're able to make them work. So this game is actually a really clever little roll and write. Now, I think it's no secret that I'm not a fan of roll and writes. Welcome to... (laughs) Let's never play that again. Cartographers? Yeah, it's okay. But roll and writes pretty dull, in my opinion. I found this one to be actually really engaging, and I really loved the dice usage in this particular game, and it made it intriguing. And I think, Mark, you and I, because we're the ones who went to PAX, Leon didn't bother. That's right. um, Yeah, that was the reason. Is that we we sat down expecting to go, okay, what's the demo? Give us the 10, 15-minute spiel. We'll see how it goes, and then thank you very much. Let's move on. We sat down and played the whole game. Now, admittedly, the whole game doesn't take that long. However, it was still, what? 35, yeah. 40 minutes or something. You know so? what I think made it even more engaging? That we got to spend time together? No. The journey along the way?
0: Definitely not. But we got the three dice, the three D6s. Oh, yeah.
2: They were pretty average, three they D6s, were very they?
0: average
1: D6s. So, you know what we did, Leon? Replace them with King of Tokyo dice. Yeah, that's a cool idea. No.
0: Oh. We replaced them with Dice Men Cometh dice that are only available to
1: people who came up and said, lower at packs. Or our Patreon supporters. Very clever. And he used them for the rest of the weekend. Oh, yeah. As did did so did. Many other,
0: so many other people with their prototypes yep. who, because we stole their other dice and we gave them Dicemen yep. dice.
2: <laughs> Speaking of which, we do need to release his wife, don't we now? Yeah, yes, we do. <laughs> so, look, I really cannot express how pleased I was with this game. I expressed it to Andrew. I expressed it to Matt. Uh, and I'll express it to the listeners because I I really think this is a clever little game. It it combines the puzzle of a of a solo and, and essentially that's what roll and rights are, they're a little solo puzzle. The complicated part of this is that in order to score the multiplier points, you've got to have the adjacency. And the challenge of the adjacency is that adjacency is only applied through land adjacency Mm. so that you know i I was struggling i had five forests and i'd been building these forests up and i needed a lumberjack leon right in the middle of those forests to get me all those big points the problem was is that a lumberjack Mm. is a nine which you've got to have you know fours and fives or threes and sixes to get to what you then need is another large available dice to have lots of land adjacency so if i've got a nine with only one land connection, ah, uh, the other edges are all water, yeah. so all those forests are worth nothing, and that is where this this that was a real, very, really, very, very puzzly element. Really yeah. great wrinkle was was in there, and I was absolutely invested in this little town that I was creating, the town called Victory. Now, Garth,
0: I want to ask you: Are we able to tell the listeners where they can get this game? No, is it's not even. It's not even absolutely completely finished which i was quite amazed about is we played this and to me you know we don't say this lightly this game had a lot more going on than many other completely finished games we've played and then andrew said oh we're not quite finished tweaking it yet you know we've still got a bit of work to go
2: i i felt like this could have been sold then there well i i I said you know and i asked him you know what the what the plans is and, and the plans are you know we can either go really small or we can go big yeah uh smaller's printing plays and bigs is is you know going onto the the crowdfunding sort of medium and i don't know if they've made a decision Well on that. what you can do Garth is you can listen into part 2 of the
0: uh Pack extravaganza and find out what Andrew had to say cuz i interviewed him Oh did you? Yes. I walked away when that happened. Yeah.
1: What a shock. <laughs> uh, but I must say, though, when you put down the piece of paper in front of me, because you brought it home, yes, uh, this little prototype... Do you want to look at the good one, the one that won? <laughs> uh, oh, is that... Did you actually win, did of you? Of course I won. Yeah, anyway. 84
2: to 70... Something.
1: Now, as you said, the pace paper is rather brown. However, and I do have a little bit of bias, because as we've mentioned many times, the only real roll and right that we do dig is cartographers, and it's definitely got some DNA, at least in like the look of yeah, the paper for, yeah. for cartographers. But as soon as you put it down in front of me, i went ooh, interesting which are a bit of paper that's mostly brown takes a bit of doing yeah. So i i am intrigued to to get my hands on playing this and hopefully i'll be able to sometime soon and yeah if they go to something like a kickstarter because you've got to imagine the components for this game aren't going to be billions yeah. of dollars i hope they would do quite well and then once you get a small number of them out then hopefully it could pick up some big well i mean it almost has
0: it almost has more I thought it has a more cartography, cartographic, cartographic feel than cartographers did. Like I felt like there was more cartography in this game than there actually is in cartography.
1: Well, how many elves and goblins and volcanoes are in this? No, None. no. Well, yes. then there you go. But, but
0: they're look, not finished developing it yet. Link, no, so, oh, so they we've they got, got time. Now, yeah, yep.
2: we we have talked in numerous episodes about the the challenge of of going down the crowdfunding path. Mm the joy of doing a little roll and write is you can aim small yeah you can basically get pads of paper printed or you can sell six laminated sheets and some pens and away you go with with a couple of diceman dice thrown in there for, for good measure.
1: <laughs> we have a supplier yeah. or
2: you can go big and you can make it really spectacular and, and hope you know shoot for the stars um Either way, whatever Andrew and Matt and the the team at Logic Engine decide to do with this, I hope it sees the light of day because I would back this game. I would choose to have this game in my collection and I don't have any role and rights in my collection. Mm. I had such a a really fun time with this. I think my daughter would like this. I think my partner would like this. My son, no. This is is not (laughs) for him. But... Yeah. That's fine. There's yeah. games for people and there's games that are not for people. I think, Leon, you would like this one. Yeah. And Mark, I think you liked it too. Yeah, I
0: definitely did, yeah.
2: So I just want to say congratulations to Andrew primarily as the, as the designer on this game for what I think was one of the tightest games that, that I played during the PAX weekend. And Garth, do you know what is
0: cray, 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 crazy? No. Andrew as you'll find out when you listen to the interviews, Andrew had two games in the Rising Stars from the TGDA. Which is a competition about games. And you'll hear all about it, which... Spoiler alert. This game was neither of those two games that were in the competition. <laughs> I think primarily because it's they're still not 100% happy with it. So... And I think one of them was under the Logic Engine banner and one of them wasn't maybe...
2: Maybe well, it was under,
0: is it Five Robots? Yeah, or, all the, or his it. Five Robots, mm. which is his other sort of publishing efforts. But they were also great games and I mean they were pretty much fully fully formed. And I think that's why they were in The Rising Stars. But yeah, I mean, to me, I, I don't... No, actually, I'm not going to say it because we're going to talk about it in the next episode. So I won't make any pronouncements about this game.
1: Ooh, a little bit of tease there, a bit of a sprinkle.
2: Mm. All right. Well, that's pretty much all that we can say, I guess, about Floodlands.
1: So we should probably have a little bit of a break, a tiny little stingy sting, and then get back with another water themed indie game. All right, let's do that.
5: Hi, I'm Andrew from Logic Engine, and I can't wait to listen to the next episode of the Dice Man Cometh.
0: All right, we're back. And it's still episode 342, part two of the...
1: Pax Travaganza. Trademark. Yes, that is exactly what we are doing, and we are very professionally, all three of us, aren't we, Garth, sitting down to record stuff? Yes. (laughs) We're not all standing up and walking around eating fine chocolate products, are we? Does
2: anyone remember the last episode? Well, Leon either (laughs) urinated or (laughs) filled up a glass of water during the live recording. Don't know
1: what you're talking about. Now, Marky Boy, you mentioned some other indie games. You also mentioned uh, some competitions at Old Paxington. Have you got something you can tell me about possibly two of those things together? Sure.
0: So the TGDA Rising Stars was a uh, competition for game designers. Now, help me out here, Garth. Was it... I mean, it's not like I June, interviewed June. The, the head boffin of the TGDA for quite some time and actually have that interview later on in this episode. And he's a mate of ours, you can just ask him. That's right, was. but <laughs> was part of the Rising Stars that this was for
1: first-time designers? I have a vague recollection that it may or may not have been. Possibly just unpublished designers, eh. maybe. Yeah. Because first time's kind of how do you define first time?
2: Have you ever felt like you've been pushed in front of a bus? <laughs> uh yes. No, I was just, just wondering sorry. if you
0: remember it better than I do, because well, we the, know what my memory's like.
2: Yeah, so the part of the Rising Does Stars it? competition is it was a collaboration mm. uh with TGDA, um, a few other distributors and publishers, but also with Launch Tabletop. Oh, Launch Tabletop, yeah. Did I mention Garth? No, you didn't. There's an interview with launch
0: tabletop empresarios, Kate and Alana coming up later on in this episode.
2: I, I kind of think that's probably the pick of the interviews. Really? Yeah. Is
0: that because it was the one interview that you did, Garth, out of the whole 30-odd? hmm <laughs> Well, look, I mean, I mean, occasionally a man has to go to the toilet, and occasionally when he does, he hands a microphone to the other guy who happens to be hanging around. And I'm sure
1: and that he, one is as a higher quality as a Oh uh,
2: Yeah, he does a semi-serviceable job, that guy. So The Rising Stars <laughs> was about making sure that, you know, designers have traditionally had a, a hell of an entry challenge, yeah. which is how do I turn my idea into a tangible game? How do I turn that tangible game into a thing that I can then have in shops? That's a big leap. Yeah. yeah. So Launch Tabletop, which is this... Really quite fascinating concept, and I'm not going to say anything about it because, well, just listen to the you know. <laughs> but what it allowed the winner to do is to have some options available to them to to get some games manufactured, potentially get it distributed, to get it developed by um, experts who know what they're doing. So the Rising Stars competition was a good opportunity for a lot of, a lot of up-and-coming or, mm. or smaller indie designers to get that. It allowed them to actually get a near-production-quality copy of their game produced. That is a big deal mm. because in previous years and in a lot of conventions and a lot of game jams and all of this, people are turning up with decks of traditional cards that have been written on or D6s that have got blue tack on them and new numbers written on them and here's the thing that I made on the weekend yeah. using, you know, my, my chopping board and the guillotine <laughs> and I've drawn some squiggles here. So launch tabletop is allowing these um these designers to basically get near production quality samples of, of their product which the rising stars is is testament to that they're, mm. they're going to have these good quality and there was you know lots of lots of the rising star games were they were looking schmick
0: yeah absolutely uh, now one of them that we saw and at the time we didn't know which of the the five games or so was going to be the winner because it was decided by a a popular vote with some extra input from the TGDA gurus um, was little game
2: called Stoked. I don't think that's how you pronounce it, though, Mark.
6: Stoked. 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 Oh, Stoked
1: Dude kind
2: of
6: thing. Stoked. Whoa.
1: Whoa. Throwing up some shots and whatnot. Gnarly. Cowabunga? Yeah. Yes, and all the terms from 30 years ago.
0: That's right. And so you might be surprised to know that Stu Leon yes. was all about surfing
1: or at least catching waves. So you're on the floodlands, you <laughs> whip out the board, and you get Stu. get Stu. Okay, cool. And
0: you are, when I say catching waves, waves are cards, and you're bidding with other cards to win the waves that are worth the most money. So waves, you've got various different points of wave cards. It's a bid. You get to go round. It's a, it's a bidding system where you go. I guess you'd call it a standard auction where you go round and round and round and round and round until two people are passed, basically. And then there's a
1: bank heist. It's point break the card. Game.
2: <laughs> you only get to go one round once though. You only play one card because it's remember you, you're placing your bet, your auction face down.
1: Oh. You're
2: flipping it over. I was
0: getting confused with that other game called scrooked which is completely different (laughs) i think you played that by yourself (laughs) a solo game anyway yes you're right sorry i get it (laughs) my my brain was a little bit frazzled from all those interviews um but that's right you you bid for a wave card the wave cards have different numbers as well as values and then whoever wins has to actually pay their money cards, their point value cards, That's, that's and they don't get them back. That's a sparsy surfing meatball. Yes, Because whereas, you've only got a really
4: small deck of cards. That's
0: right. And then the, those who didn't win, they, they their bid cards go into a discard pile, but when they run out of cards, then they can get them back again, or if they played a, a special the, zero value card they then get to get all their bid cards back again.
2: Yeah, because Except basically... the ones that were were successful. Yeah, because basically when you're playing a zero, you're not competing for the wave. You go, yep. I'm, I'm going to sit back, guys. Yeah, you you I'm can pulling take this out. wave. I'm just yeah. chilling out, relaxing. You recover your, your spent cards.
0: Yeah. Now, when you win the wave card, you also get some respect, man. And respect on the cards was in the form of the classic, as you can see in this podcast... The hang five symbol, Uh, cool surfer dude thing, and respect gives you respect, and you can spend your respect in the the show and the respect store basically, (laughs) which allows you to buy new cards that then go into your bidding deck that you can use to bid on or other different
2: cards that. Basically, let your waves be worth a little bit extra. Yeah, they're either multipliers yeah. or they add the value because the the cards that are the waves might be you know there are some that are the purple cards and the yellow cards and the this and that and you know you might be able to buy a surfboard that increases the value of all your yellow cards.
1: You might be able to go get a meatball sub or two. Make sure you get me two, two. Remember, get two. Or you might be able to get a
0: three and a half card, and you know that the highest card that your um, competitors have got is, say, three, because they've already spent their five, and you know you're going to win any bids with a a three-and-a-half card when everyone else has only got threes left. That's right. So some tricky little wrinkles like that. But for the most part, this was quite a sort of a simple but fun little card game, brightly coloured illustrations, lots of surfer themes and
2: beach towels. Yeah, I, I think it's quite neat you always have three face up wave cards cuz waves come in sets yeah so you can you can always see what the next couple of cards are so you might be holding back because I think the cards are, uh, the waves are valued from one to 10. Mm. So you might want to go, okay, well, I'm not going to bid on a two value card because I can see that there's an eight. one. I'm, I'm going to sit it.
0: out the back, man, and wait for the big one.
1: But do you know what
2: happens when you spend time in the ocean, Leon?
1: Uh, you then get out of the ocean, dry off, and all go skydiving together. But then the last two of them, <laughs> like, they're like kind of having like this standoff. It's like, you pull the chute. No, you pull the chute. <laughs> Nearly.
2: Oh, okay. Or you could potentially get stung by a jellyfish. Oh. So some cool. of the cards that you'll be bidding on are not waves that are worth good points. They're jellyfish. Yo, jelly. Which is they're so not cool, man. Because you still got to bid for those, but you are bidding to not win them. Mm. So whoever bids the lowest on that particular card takes a jellyfish card, which is negative points. Yo
1: stung dude. Wow. And
2: he stoked.
1: That's really not cool. It's like getting punched in the face by someone from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers and it was the least exciting gig that really? I've ever been to. It was like their last concert oh. on the last thing of the tour.
1: So they were knackered.
2: <laughs> I thought Liam was about to tell us a story about that time that he got punched out
0: by Flea wearing one sock and nothing else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just call me Liam? Have you gone to PAX and forgot my name? Maybe. What did Leo say? Oh. I don't know. Leo's fine. I get Leo quite often. Okay, because um, I have striking resemblance to him. <laughs> so, Leonard, what do you think about this game, though? How does it sound? Uh, it sounds interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I would be stoked to give it a crack. And since you know, since it is competition winning worthy, I'm guessing that hopefully someone will get their hands on it, either crowdfunding or a bigger publisher, and we'll go from there. The more Australian games out there, the better. Mm. Well, why don't you send an email, Levi,
2: and see if something happens where you can get you know a copy of this for from Jay. Well, I would, Gladys, but I just think I'll wait. So, did we mention that Jay Bendixson was the designer, Leonard? I don't know. You're the one who was talking about this show, Marcus. <laughs> oh, I think we've run out of our names, loser.
1: No, oh! Plenty. You've not gone with Leonie. I copped that for years. Oh, really? Yeah. Lucius? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luscious? Leviticus? Loki? Look, you just... Leonardo, the name I use when I'm playing, like, old RPGs.
0: Oh, uh, wow, going out on a limb there.
1: Yeah, anyway, I think we've slightly <laughs> gone off topic. Yeah, we
0: have. So, a great little game by Jay Bendixson. And, you know, let's just spoil it now, because it's not mentioned in the articles, the interviews, because we didn't know at the time. His game won the uh, the Rising Stars competition. So, he can look forward to working with Launch Tabletop, I believe and seeing his game come to fruition. And that's the reason we don't have a copy here with us, because there were none, no. except for basically the one copy that was at the uh, the table to play. That's well, right.
1: That is excellent to hear, Muriel and Gerbert. So let's <laughs> now. We're going to have to, for yet again another week uh say goodbye mm. because marky mark's about to press play on his little machine oh yeah and you're about to cop a good solid like nearly hour of interviews from all these awesome aussies that are about to be kicking goals in all sorts of table-topping ways yes and then next week you'll join us for our final part of our yes Stravaganza. <laughs> okay okay seriously stop because then I will actually be asking the lads about how their weekend went and their favourite things and their not-so-favourite things and so on and so forth and so-teen. And then we've got even more interviews with some fellow board gaming media types. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. But for another week, it's time to say goodbye.
0: Yep, we're off to the interviews.
2: Bye. See you, Mervyn.
1: See you, Granny. Yep. See you, uh, Mikhail and uh, Goebbels.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: oh, no! <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I lose. Bye.
2: Who gave him the buttons again?
0: So I'm very excited to be here at PAX today talking with a man who wears many hats. He's got at least two on today. One is as head guru of the tabletop game designers association of australia or some other associated acronym and the other is as an award-winning game designer and artist i'm speaking of course of alex winter hello alex hey
7: i thought you retired from the dice men
0: Uh, well i did but you know i'm back by popular demand
2: (laughs) old age pension doesn't cover it anymore
0: (laughs) as are you in that you are back here at pax again wearing many hats so firstly as an award-winning game designer, oh, illustrator, geez. artist, graphic designer, how are things going and what have you been up to?
7: Uh, oh God, I've been busy with life. Mm-hmm. Game design takes a back seat sometimes yeah. and it's been like that for a little bit, but I got back into it recently after Shepicon actually, I got inspired at yeah, Shepicon sure. and nice. started putting on my designer hat and playing around with some game designs again, which is good.
0: Brilliant, and now. You've just taught us this amazing, I'm going to call it a little game, but it does take up a bit of table space, Panorama. It so, looks
7: good on the table, though. That's that's why it takes up so much space. It
0: is yeah. an absolutely gorgeous game. Um, absolutely just saying cool. for I can't wait for my wife to see this. She's going to totally lose it because um, it is so beautiful. Tell me the story about Panorama.
7: Um, it was picked up by a publisher a long, 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 long time ago, and um As publishers are, they like to take their time publishing things, you know, they put stuff on the back burner and it uh, it managed to, uh, I was messaged last year and they said they were going to publish it and then they started working on it, they developed the artwork and the graphic design and uh, only sold it in America.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because it's very, very hard to get hold of. I did see it on Amazon, but it was very expensive to get a copy here in Australia, but also, amazingly, Uh, Some of the art by fellow Aussie, Dan May.
7: Yes, yeah, Um, luckily Dan was on the project at the time when it got uh, picked up by a publisher and they wanted to continue with him, so he managed to do artwork in it, uh, as did I.
0: And look, it it is an absolutely stunning game, obviously uh, our listeners will be able to see some photos we'll post as well. But it's absolutely gorgeous, so congratulations to both of you. Yes. Now, I also have to ask you, and this could be controversial, but I hope you'll be able to tell us a story, the famous Phantom board game which came out to Ra on Kickstarter um, that you were the designer for.
7: One of the the designers.
0: Okay. Um, Oh, that's right, yes. It was a co-design. So tell me... How did it go? Where is it at now? What's happening with that?
7: Oh, uh, it went extremely well. I think we made about uh, $63,000 on Kickstarter, but a lot of fans, they just absolutely loved it. I can't say that the board game geek rating is accurate to the gameplay because I'm pretty sure it's all the Phantom fans just going, <laughs> "We love this game, we haven't played it, but it's got a high rating." Yes. Um, I actually, funnily enough, it got picked up by VR as well, so we sold all the remaining copies to VR. Oh, fantastic distribution. And a guy came up this morning and he said, "I heard the Phantom designer is here at this booth," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's me." Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> He's like, "Can you sign my game?" I'm like, "Oh, yeah, right." Oh, fantastic. <laughs>
0: It's fantastic spelt PH. Yes. It's <laughs> okay, funny so that, you get told that stuff. You know? That's good news because I think you I do vaguely having remember having a conversation you with you where maybe it wasn't the whole process wasn't going so well at some stage. There
7: were issues with it, yes. Uh, issues um, working with licensing, working with artists. Um, I can say that from from my side and Dale's side, we were on top of everything hundred percent of the time. But, you know, other people may not work in the same time okay. <laughs> that you want to work at. So there were, there were issues, but we overcame them and, and it got out. We, I think we did well all the time, actually.
0: Well, and clearly because you have done so much self-publishing or, you know, you're integri- integrally involved with your projects... You know about those time pressures, and you know yes. now's the time the rubber's got to really hit the road, and I've got to pump out whatever oh, I've got yes. to pump out.
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there were many pieces of artwork that had to be made for it, and to be fair, there was only one artist doing the majority of the work. And when one artist has that amount of work yeah. on it, and and they've got their day job and all their other stuff, it's it's hard for them, and it does take time. They produced amazing amazing pieces for the game. Okay, you know? sorry. It does take time for an artist to, to produce, you know, a huge amount of artwork when it's one project. You know, they've got their own projects, they've got their daily life, and it gets busy.
0: Okay. And so, as far as your own personal designs go, is there much on the horizon? Obviously, it's been a very difficult time with COVID, you've got a young family.
7: Yeah, New job. Uh, yeah, lots of stuff. Um, yeah, like I said, I got my game designer hat on uh, earlier this year. I, we released a miniatures-based game early in the year called Tempus Mortis, which oh. is Patreon based. It's yes. free. Yes. Um, so you just download the pieces you want and play it. Um, and Panorama was released earlier this year, and we were working on a second edition of Brigade. I won't call it a second edition. It yes. is a different game. So it's a Brigade <laughs> number two Ooh. we were working on, um, and I've started working on a second Panorama as
0: well. Oh, fantastic. So you've got a lot on. now. Your other hat, obviously, is as the uh, the head guru, pretty much, and cat herder for TGDA. <laughs> yep. Um, has there been much happening there? Is it is it a very active association at the moment? Yes. You'd imagine always. a lot of designers have had a lot of time on their hands. That's so true. What's been happening?
7: Um, well, we wanted to spend more money, so we introduced four competitions. So we used to have two competitions, but they sort of died out over time. We now have four massive competitions. We've got these beautiful trophies, all crystal amazing things. Awesome. You'll, you'll see a video of a presentation of one on the Facebook page. Someone won one last night. The, the four competitions are um, The Mate, which is someone who has contributed and been amazing in the board game design industry in Australia. Yep. That was awarded last night. There's three other competitions that will come into play uh, later on in the year or early next year. There's one for uh, an amazing prototype or mechanic that you have designed. There's one Whippersnapper Award, so someone that's under the age of 20. So this can apply to schools and things like that. Oh, nice. And there is a third one that I can't remember. That's Okay. Oh, no. We'll
0: add it in post. Yeah, good. <laughs>
7: There's a third one, and again, that will be uh, a nice award too. We've also had the Rising Stars competition. That's probably the biggest one at the moment. Yes. So we had a bunch of people enter a competition. Uh, they get to, It's basically an online system. You get to upload your own artwork and get a professionally produced copy of your board game. Uh, that was reduced to a top 10, which got reduced to a top 5, which is now here at PAX, Top five are being played, and it will be a popular vote. Um, a couple of key people will get extra votes, but that's because of their industry experience and yes. stuff like that. But we are hoping to determine a final winner by the end of PAX. Play the games, rate the games, best score wins, and that game will be produced and published and distributed through VR next year.
0: Oh, brilliant! That's fantastic. It is so exciting to hear about a thriving design scene here in Australia. because hoping to make it big, yes. Yeah, we, we have had our, our ups and downs. Yep. So, look, that's brilliant. I know you're absolutely flat out this weekend, so thank you so much for the, taking the time to, firstly, to show us your gorgeous game Panorama. So I can't wait to get it home and tell more people about it. Um, but also taking the time out to chat with us today. Alex, it's
2: always lovely to catch up with you.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Mark. <laughs>
2: okay, Garth here, coming at you live yeah. from PAX. Day two, the Saturday, and I'm very happy to be joined by Alana and Kate from Launch Tabletop. Alana, long time no speak. Yeah, it has hello. been years. It
8: has been a long time. <laughs> I remember being on your show. Uh, when, when was that? Alan and I were in Tassie. We came yep. on the show. It was. I think we were spooking. maybe Rise to Power. I, I, it's been rise to so Power, long. Hand of Fate,
2: <laughs> something like that. Who knows? But it seems like yeah, an eternity yeah. so in a lifetime ago. Or-
8: maybe remember me from rule and Meek days. That's right, uh, yes. So, yeah, when we were kicking about. Uh,
2: Definitely, yeah. but now you are both here in a, yes. in a different level of capacity for the tabletop hobby. Now, Kate, before we get to that, we better let you introduce yeah, yeah. yourself as well. So, who is a Kate and why are you here?
9: Well, a Kate is uh, approximately five foot six in the old money. And um, I have been working in the industry since about 2017. I work with my husband, Joel Finch, who designed Unfair. And, yeah, I've been running around doing lots of stuff with James from Druid City and Skybound and... Yeah. Fantastic. Just put a plug in for James's Kickstarter that happens next week, Wonderland's War, back to Kickstarter for reprints and an expansion. It's
2: a great game. So gutted that I didn't get the deluxified version. It's but coming back. <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about. Yes. So we're here to talk about Launch Tabletop. Is that right? Yes. Yep. So this is a relatively new project that, that's been launched. Who would like yeah, to, to tell new, us about it? new
9: to everybody who hasn't heard yeah. about it. That's but right. But it's been bubbling away oh, for man. the last 18 months at least. Almost two years now we've been yeah,
8: yeah. Uh, cooking away in the background excellent yeah. so
2: who wants to give me the pitch who wants who wants to give me the little you know this is this is why people should care about launch tabletop
8: right well you should care about us because we're we, make we, your life easier we're from the, we're from the industry we we uh, we're all from all stripes of yeah. board game origins uh we've got designers
9: know. we've got developers we've got people who have been in production and manufacturing if there's a mistake to be made we've made it, can I help you not make it? Yeah,
8: absolutely, we've taken all the things we've learned from the publishing industry, the design space, production, and kind of coalesced it into a company that's trying to help uh, publishers and designers get their games made. Yep. Um, so the first thing we're, we're doing is uh, a product called Launch Lab, which is uh, a small print run, small batch run, one to a thousand, Uh, prototyping and and production service um, targeting designers and small publishers uh, to try and get uh, near mass production quality games at fast turnarounds for purposes of yeah. Uh, rapid prototyping, iterating, uh, Sending review, out copies, review copies, um, preview copies, yep. small print runs,
9: stuff to conventions. Yeah,
8: small print runs for Kickstarters, yeah. uh, you know, take 50, 100, 200 yeah. copies to Gen
9: Con, you yeah, that kind of space. Okay. That's the space we're Companies who again. decide they want to do some kind of novel Christmas present for their employees. Yep, yeah. Yep. someone those who's
2: looking for things. that board game themed wedding and needs
9: oh, a, yes, a little exactly, print run. those sorts of things. So yeah. they get custom printed meeples. Wonderful. That, you know, work for their particular
8: wedding. this something that, as a game designer and publisher, that's something I would have loved to have had a few years ago, um, where we were making all our own handmade prototypes going to Officeworks. I remember
2: watching some YouTube videos <laughs> yeah. of yeah, the rules of my days. We even
8: did YouTube videos <laughs> on how to make a board game. Yeah. Well, we took those how to make a board game skills and have now turned it into a service that we're targeting the same kind of people that we were five years ago to yep. so, say, hey, actually come and make your game through us. Yeah. Um, it's it's reasonably priced, quick turnaround, fast shipping, yeah. high quality um, uh, products. It's
9: achievable if yep. you've yeah. got you know, not the most amazing skills in the world. You too can produce something yeah. in a box that looks good and feels good, and people will go, oh
8: wow. That- I, I think too, like, often designers feel like they can't have nice things until they have a game that looks nice sure. as well. Um, but we, we know as designers, you, you start with the pretty cruddiest looking prototypes, but it, it wouldn't it be nice to have a cruddy prototype, in terms of you know whatever you've got, but actually like from really high quality components to give that
10: that, so that physicality Google, yeah. to the game
8: ahead of time. Like you don't have to wait two years to have a, a nice, yep. solid feeling game that's in front of you, and you can really get a sense of how yeah. does my game feel on the table.
2: Exactly, um, and I guess from a, a purely brutal reality. You need to have a good-looking product for it to sell, you know, in today's social media and today's crowdfunded gaming. Even
9: in a pitch, the the people that you're pitching to are really good at looking past the quality of the components and seeing what the game actually is, but it doesn't hurt to have something that feels nice because it stops them thinking about, oh, that's a bit fuzzy or, oh, God, they used Comic Sans or something like that and just going, I can play the game and I can get immersed in the game and see what
2: it's like. Yeah, definitely, and look, have you got some of your product here at the moment on yeah, display and being used? So
8: we're, we're kicking about the TGDA booth. Yep. Um, I'm sure most of your listeners probably know who the TGDA A- Absolutely,
2: are, yes, the Tabletop Game Designers Association, Australia. Australia. Australia, Australia yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
8: So they're a, they're a not-for-profit organization that, that works with the community and designers and brings together all those wonderful people into a sort of a cohesive, amorphous, you know, thing. That's and, right. Um, yeah, we work with them to uh, to bring the Rising Stars 2022 competition mm-hmm. to PAX. So we had uh, designers from the TGDA submitting their designs through Launch Lab. Um, we shortlisted 10 of those and produced those 10 uh, games, four packs. Uh, our judges then reviewed them, played them, and narrowed it down to five finalists. Yep. And those finalists are being played uh, throughout the convention, they'll get voted on, and it, eventually we'll have a winner for the competition, um, and that, that winner will go on to have their game uh, further developed and published fantastic. and distributed.
2: That, that's wonderful. What a, what a great incentive for yeah. um, the hobby and for obviously budding designers out there, yeah. not only to, to get and to be a part of the, the TGDA, which is a, a fantastic yeah. brains trust. And chances are, if you're oh, thinking yeah. of the game, there's someone there who's had a very similar idea yeah. or a very similar mechanic or encountered the same problems that you're encountering. So absolutely yeah. go, and, go and have for a look sure, at that. For sure. yeah. Yeah, so like, but also turning their games into a reality because that, that is a massive jump for a lot of smaller, um, first-time designers, I guess.
8: It is, yeah. and you know, we deal with a lot of geographical constraints being in Australia, and the, the more we can sort of alleviate the, alleviate those uh, hurdles, the, the better. Like, yeah. to put us on that international stage as designers and publishers sure. and, and so forth. So. Yeah.
2: Absolutely.
9: Um, and it's been really lovely to hear about people who entered yeah. their games and are finalists, and they're like, I wasn't even going to do it, but then I thought, what the heck, and they've you know, produced this incredibly polished looking thing, and it's obvious they, that they put so much work into it, because it's got graphics, and yep. it's lovely to play, and it's really tight little presentations, so, you know.
2: Yeah, it's amazing to think, you know, that this this little idea that someone may have had gets to be fully fleshed out, and is, yeah. is actually good, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's yeah. a really it's nice least, thing, because, yeah. you know, I being in the board game media, um, but definitely not being smart enough to come up with great ideas, come up with an occasional idea and go, I think that'd be great. But what do you do with that? Yeah. I don't know, which is why I don't. So maybe I have to speak to the two of you <laughs> off, off the mic and, yeah. and you, I can sell you my idea. Um, so what are you looking forward to about the, the growth of, of launch, launch Labs and, um, and Tabletop You know, in general? What's, what's your goal for,
10: for the next short term?
8: I think engaging with small publishers and designers, um, That's where a lot of our passion lies, because of where we came from from yep. the industry, um, how uh, we're working with our factory in China, who already does mass production. So we have we have that end of it already covered yep. in terms of capability. Sure. and then Bringing in these the the small print production capabilities to allow us to engage better with designers and small publishers, yep. um, and just kind of. Create uh, some tools for that space. So that's that's the short term plan. Is work with those designers and small publishers, um, and then grow organically from there. Like add additional services that start to cover other areas of the the publishing process. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, You know, leverage our existing mass production capabilities as well. So when a designer brings their game through our system and it, you know, over time they're developing it, improving it, you know, they may transition into mass production, you know, and they've already gone through that early process. Sure. are finding
9: a pathway through the entire process of, yep. I had this idea and now I'm testing it and now I'm ready to produce 10,000 copies or whatever and <laughs> now I'm ready to get it onto, you know, into distribution or take it to kickstarter and crowdfunded it all those sorts of things Just brilliant making it easy for people to join the dots on those lovely if not easy at least easier brilliant all right
2: well where can people find you if they want to find out a little bit more
9: yeah
8: so uh launch tabletop.com it's spelled exactly how it sounds Yep. wonderful is uh, our website yep uh and you can find us on facebook uh launch tabletop
9: uh Facebook, Twitter, Twitter Instagram, Instagram, all, all the, the, the socials. All the usuals. Yeah, we're not hip <laughs> enough for TikTok, but, uh, <laughs> Tell find, me about it. I
8: think you can find links to our Discord server as well. Okay. Um, yes. On our
9: website. Yeah. Uh, and we're always up for a chat. We yeah, just hit us
8: up. Um, like I said, we 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 are we're designers, publishers. Yeah. We we yep. all started in the same place. You know, it's yeah. so. We're very approachable. Uh, Fantastic.
2: Wonderful. Well, look, thanks so much, Kate. Thanks so much for Alana for for spending a few minutes talking to us. And um, yeah, we're really excited to see how it grows from here. Yeah, enjoy the rest
9: of the packs. Thank you.
2: Absolutely. Bye. So I'm very excited to
0: be here today with, what can I say, multi award winning game designer, head boffin of Kinstar Games, Steve D. Now, Steve, good to see you again. Yes, good to see you. And also, I believe. You've won yet another award?
10: Well, we are—we won a position in the Indie um, uh, Showcase here at the Con to help promote game design. Every year PAX has had a showcase where they it used to just be digital games. Yes. They pick a couple of digital games that they would get a, basically a free booth and free publicity. This year, as well as the four digital games, there are four board games as well. Oh, and fantastic. we were very, very privileged to be chosen as part of that. And that's why we're here at this little booth um, that they've donated to us. And we'll be doing press and panels as, a, as well. Lovely, and I see you've got here, it's called The Score, is that right?
0: Yes. Can you give us your elevator pitch
10: on The Score? Absolutely. The Score is the world's fastest role-playing game. Um, It's for people who don't have a lot of time, who've never played an RPG before. It's 18 cards and 18 minutes to pull off the heist of a lifetime. Using a very simple card-based system, you can make up a character and run through a whole exciting heist in 18 minutes or less.
0: I know you're a man who does (laughs) innovative games and sometimes very, very minimalist. But even for you, that's extremely minimalist. 18 cards, that's like a love letter and you're telling me it's a role playing game. You can create a character and the whole game takes 18 minutes. Yep, but we'll
10: guarantee that money back. We have had a few games that have gone close, but we've also had games that take like 10 or nine minutes. So wow. it can be really fast. Depends on how much you want to talk. Yeah. You can slow it down if you want. There's plenty of room. It just depends on how much you want to talk with each scene. Basically each card in the deck represents a scene in the movie. Yes. Every card in the deck has a power on it that represents something cool that you would use in a heist. So every scene is like, either you have the stat, in which case you're describing how you do your cool thing, and if you don't have the stat, then someone is doing something against you or stopping you, or you're failing in some way, and it's just every scene is a cool element of a heist. And because the heist genre is so well-known yes. and so uses so, such strong tropes, people very quickly come up with ideas.
0: I mean. Everyone's seen a good heist movie, that's I'm sure. Right. Yeah. yeah.
10: But there's actually very few um, role-playing games about it because a lot of people think it's hard to plan. Yes. But this, the cards are kind of doing that for you because they're all about just the ability. So it's just, this is a scene about safe cracking, so we must be at a safe or something. Yes. This is a scene about parkour, so this is the bit obviously where I'm coming over the rooftops. Yeah, okay. Um, and that just helps you feel smarter than you, than you do yourself. And that's the beauty of a heist is that in the movies like the the, the characters seem so smart they're smarter than the audience and this way you get to be going oh i i was smart of course the reason i did that was because this card came up along later and now i i know that we did have a brilliant plan and that that's what i like about this it captures that feeling of ah we meant to do
0: that yes you don't have to nut out every single inch of the plan to pull off those few brilliant moments that's right those 18 brilliant moments
10: yes we have these cards that actually are called twists And when that happens you go ah that was actually all fake you know so the last game we played we got overrun we didn't have enough guns to counter their guns they locked us in a cell and then we were like ah but that was exactly what we wanted yes our break and enter expert broke us out of the cell and our hackers started hacking the system and it was great
0: i mean you're always up to a lot of stuff what else are you up to at the moment
10: i'm working on a whole bunch of different games some party games Nothing that I can really confirm that's coming out at the oh, moment. Okay. We're still working on supplements for Relics and yes. Partners, which is also, we've sold a couple of those, so we're still selling Relics, our, our Angel RPG, mm-hmm. Partners, our Detective RPG, and we're building, we're doing digital supplements for them over and over again. And we always do a one-page Halloween game, which is always free. So if you like one-page RPGs, we've got a great one coming out for Halloween on our website, as always. So which is? tinstargames.com. And tinstargames.itch.io is the other option. And we have so much stuff there, so a lot of it is free or it's really cheap or it's pay what you want. So check it out or join our mailing list or join the Patreon because everything is free on the Patreon. (laughs) So you pay- After you
0: join our Patreon, of course. Oh yeah,
10: join theirs, then join ours. (laughs) For like $5 a month, you can get all access to all our games digitally. Um, And that's, yeah. we want people to be out there playing them and spreading the word.
0: Look, it's fantastic, I know. You are such a huge part of this scene. You're always doing also your... um... Oh, running courses. Yeah, running your courses. Teaching game design, yeah. Yeah.
10: Sunday, for people who... uh, This isn't going out before the con. No, no, No. it's not. So this Sunday, I'm also running a one-hour make your first role-playing game thing, which is going to be a lot of fun. So I do love teaching the art and um, yeah, so we're doing some teaching here again at the con.
0: Lovely to catch up with you again. Great to see you winning more awards. Um, this sounds like a fascinating little game. We might have to uh, grab a copy off you. Yep. But otherwise, look, have a great Pax, and uh,
10: thank you so much for taking the time to speak with no us. No worries, man. Always thank good you. to talk to you guys. Fantastic.
0: All right, now I'm here speaking with Steve, and he's got Cargo Hold, the game, which is a very uh, look, Steve. It's very Western looking.
11: It is a very Western game. I was thinking
0: it's <laughs> uh, sort of the bang theme sort of hit me. But can you tell us a little bit about about your game? and where it's come from and what you're up to.
11: Yeah, fantastic. So the game um, was a bit of a COVID project initially. Mm -hmm. Started playing it with some friends, realized that it worked, then was like, oh, it's actually quite fun. Yeah, started steamrolling, played it with more and more people, put it together. And uh, now we're here. Oh, wow. So self-production at this stage? Yeah, self-produced, gradually growing and um, expanding. So started here in Melbourne and and moving kind of out to the rest of Australia, I guess. Okay, Fantastic. And obviously the PAX
0: here is a good place to run into distributors, uh, publishers, things like that.
11: The game itself though, do you want to give us a quick rundown of how it works? Yeah, so it's it's uh, kind of like a social bluffing game. Yes. Four to eight players, so good for kind of parties nice. and that kind of small to medium groups. Um, and the game, I, I kind of keep telling people um, on the chess to poker scale, yes. it's very poker. Yeah. Um, so the cards are a little bit random um, and most of the game is around reading other players, bluffing and figuring out what players are going to be doing The game is played by delivering uh, rounds of cargo. Yes. Um, And if the cargo comes back to you, you can cash it in. But other players have the opportunity to attack you on the way. Ooh. And so if they're successful, they'll steal your cargo. If you defend it successfully, of course, you get to keep it. Ah. And so the game is basically around looking at people's stacks of cards and trying to figure out what they've put in there Ah. um, and whether you've got a shot at it. Ah, Lots of bluffing, lots of getting in people's head. Sounds like a perfect
0: uh, Western-themed game. That's the idea. Awesome. Oh, look, wish all the best here at PAX, and thanks so much for having a chat
11: with us. Uh, thank you so much. Awesome.
0: So I'm here with Jake from very interestingly named company, Dapper Cranium Studios. Jake, welcome to PAX. Oh, thank you. Welcome to the eastern half of Australia, because you're from Perth, is that right? Yep, come a long way to be here today. You certainly have. And uh, what have you got for us here at PAX? So I've brought two and a half
12: games. Ah. So the two games that I'll talk mostly about uh, it's a podcast, why yes. do I need to hold them up to the mic? Right. Can you see these games <laughs> in the mic? Um, so my two games I'm mainly showcasing today are Froge and Binoff. So Froge is a frog racing game uh, that I launched via a Kickstarter last year about November and the hope was to launch a expansion today, but timelines being what they are, I couldn't get it finished. So I've got it for play testing today nice. and the cards are all dodgily printed at my own printer at home. Yeah. But one of the cards I wasn't fully happy with, it was a bit fun, but it was also a bit broken, so more playtesting. The other game, Binoff, was actually government-sponsored. Oh nice! So my local MP back in Perth, in the suburb where I live, I pitched the idea to her, showed her Froge. And she thought, yes, that's something I want to support. So she funded half my printing.
0: Oh nice. You better amazing. you better give her a shout out.
12: Um, yeah, so that's Christine Tonkin MP, local uh, MLA for Churchlands. Nice, absolutely wonderful. Uh, there's there's a photo of her down there with. Oh, brilliant! The Environment Minister. Yeah, for no, we WA definitely have well. some West Australian listeners. Woo! <laughs> but part of the reason why she helped fund Bin Off is it's actually a recycling education game. Oh, nice. So I loosely based the first version off Uno. Yeah. Because I thought. Rather than colours and numbers, why don't we change these into bits of rubbish? Yes. You know, the colours and numbers are swapped out for the location that you can put the piece of rubbish because each card is an item of rubbish and it says where you can put it. The game has been simplified such that it can be played by kids and adults alike. So, it has a bit of strategy so the adults won't get bored, but simple enough that the kids can pick it up and end up learning something at the end of it. So, I mentioned before I I also work in education. Yes. Um, So, I try and combine my two disciplines of education and games to make things that fit under the term of covert education. (laughs) Yes. We're going to teach you something,
0: but you won't realise because you'll be having too much fun. (laughs) Exactly. Uh,
12: And there are a lot of educational games out there, and some of them are doing the right thing, but I feel like a lot of them aren't.
0: Yeah. They're very edumacational.
12: Yeah. They get a bit too preachy, which is one thing I I, I consult a bit on. I have a lot of contacts who want to work in this space, want to make some more fun stuff. But they're not sure how to do it yeah. and they'll end up making something and then they'll come to me and say hey is this working and I'll point at all the bits where they're actually just preaching at yes. the kids and telling them this is how I do it rather than trying to engage them yeah. and being in a convention about games it's yeah. all about engagement but I like to believe there's a potential and for that in education as yeah. well
0: not just entertainment. Well as you said the best games are those that the kids don't actually realize they're learning something because yeah. they're just having fun and enjoying themselves and that. Brings them back to it again and again and again. Look, a couple of great themes. It's really great to see someone here from Perth, Western Australia. Woo! So, yes. you, were you expansion for Froge go back to Kickstarter, or you just rolled it out to your sort of existing client base? Do you think?
12: I'm not sure yet. I mean, I do. I work entirely by myself. I do all my own art, design, marketing, yada 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 yada. Yeah. So often I kind of just work as see I see fit. Okay. So with Froge, I decided to go with a Kickstarter because my half a game that I'm also show, also showcasing here, just because I love it and I put so put much effort into yes. it, I was going to try and take that to a Kickstarter, decided not to because I could never get it finished, but I threw, threw K- Froge into a Kickstarter to see what happens, and it was successful.
3: Awesome.
12: 20-day um, Kickstarter raised almost 7000 Nice for it, which was the full print run. Yeah. Being something printed locally, which actually I forgot to mention, all my games are printed with recycled material. That also costs quite a bit. Yes. So it was a 500-copy print run, so relatively small, but I'm bringing the rest of the print run here with me today, about 100 or so copies. Okay, and um,
0: if any of our listeners are interested in finding out more or in education... How could they find information about Dapper Cranium Studios?
12: Yeah, so I have a WordPress. If you Google Dapper Cranium Studios, yeah. thankfully my SEO is good enough <laughs> that I, I'm up the top. For a while it was a tattoo shop, which is fine. I, I have no problem with that, but obviously, you know, I'm trying to push it so so uh, we can get the message out there. And obviously one of my messages is trying to bridge that gap between education and entertainment yeah. and engagement, um, which is something I believe quite heavily in because I think there's a lot of potential. I mean, I am an avid gamer. I My other, my half game is just sci-fi space. I call it space spelunking adventure. Um, There's no educational value in it, but I love it to bits because I've illustrated a whole bunch of wacky characters. It's called Bounty Burglars and it has its own website, bountyburglars.com. Nice. I will launch it someday. It's definitely something I look at every so often and tell myself, I will finish that that someday. (laughs) But for now, I will work on other things, Uh, which I am. There's two other games I've got in my portfolio over there. It uh, never ends Which, once you scratch that itch. Yeah, it really doesn't. Oh, fantastic.
0: So, yeah. Look, lovely to talk to you, Jake. Uh, Thank all you. the best yeah. for Dapper Cranium Studios and um, have a great PAX. Yeah, thanks. You too. Thank you. <laughs> all right, we're back at PAX again. And I'm here with Elliot Courtney, the designer of Fish Off. Correct. Now Elliot, this is in one of the TGDA competitions, is that right?
13: That is correct, it is isn't in the top five at the
0: moment. Fantastic, and uh, look, this looks like almost a fully formed game, we've just played it, had a lot of fun, bloody Garth beat me again, <laughs> yeah. but um, how long have you been working on this game?
13: I, um, well, uh, originally the idea was back in 2019. I was um, I was with my family fishing on uh, Fraser Island at the time. Uh. And sadly, there was nothing biting at the time. So I figured I'd just pull out a notepad and just play around. Because I've, I've dabbled with board game ideas before. Yes. So I came up with an idea and put it away. I didn't touch it for a while. But then when 2020 happened during March, I had all this extra free time. So I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, screw it. I'll pull it out, have a look at it, see what I can make. So yes. I've, I've been working since... About May 2020. Okay. Since then, continuously for that one. All right.
0: And um, whilst you've obviously been going through the TGDA process, or big part of that, are you also talking to any publishers, or
13: how far along that chain are you? Um, I'm at the point where I've um, I've set up a Kickstarter. hasn't started yet, of course. Yes. Um, purely because of what might happen here with TGDA. Yes. I was originally trying to get uh, Kickstarter ready by. Um, about August this yep. year. Obviously we've missed that window. Um, but because this competition happened, my, my mate Alex uh, was also in this competition too. He um, had the card game called Yara uh, Scurvy Scoundrels or something along okay. those lines. Uh, he had a card game, but sadly he didn't make it in the top five. But he's the reason why I got into this competition. it's good place. on him. Yeah, so I'm, it's a bummer he hasn't made it, but I'm glad at least he gave a shot and he gave me this opportunity as well, which is fantastic. Um, but since, since I'm now in this competition, uh, I'm essentially in that limbo point of waiting to see if something's going to happen with TGDA, Yes. but if not, I still have Kickstarter to fall back on, which i have already in the process of finishing up.
0: Awesome. And obviously, uh, there are a few uh, publishers around here as well, so who knows who might wander past, see your game, and uh, come and have a chat with you. That is exactly Just like right. we did. Yeah, exactly. And we had a lot of fun. There's a lot of things to like. Mm -hmm. Double-sided board technology, we're a fan. (laughs) Single-sided player aids, we're a definite fan.
13: Oh, excellent.
0: (laughs) Um, It's a light game, but it's still got a bit of strategy there, some dice-rolling fun. It's got a lot going for
13: it. Oh, glad you you enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Look, all the best with the competition. Um, Maybe we'll get to talk to you later on in the weekend. If you win, who knows? Never know. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us.
13: Thanks again, Mark. Cheers.
0: Things are starting to quieten down a little bit, and I've managed to grab a few seconds with Ethan and Chase from Galaxy Brain Games. Now, gents, I remember talking to you both, I'm trying to work it out, 2018 or 2019, we had this little game that you were starting to get together called Shifters. Can you tell us and tell the listeners what's happened since then and where you're at with it?
14: So, Shifters, uh, it's a lot more pretty. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little less uh, Excel spreadsheet printed out at Officeworks and a little more... Ooh, look at this nice nice art printed office at Officeworks. <laughs> but uh, but no, it's got a lot less friction. The games really come together. Uh, sort of Mechanically, you still have the complexity there to get your deeper strategy out, but it's a lot smoother. It's It's been really crunched and condensed down. We're sort of probably 90% of the way through development at this point. There's only a few more things to lock down uh, before we would be ready to sort of launch, I guess.
0: And Ethan...
4: Are you, are you looking at Kickstarter? Have
0: you been talking to publishers? Are you going to self-publish? What's the plan there?
4: Um, so we have been talking to publishers. I think um, probably there will be a Kickstarter at some point. Yeah. I think uh, the trick for us is that, uh, as Chase said, we're, we're 90% of the way there, but that last 10% um, is, a, is a heavy 10%. So it's just going to take, I think, a bit of a time before we can uh, be 100% sure we're ready to, uh, to launch.
0: Okay, and what's the reception been like this weekend here at PAX?
4: Very positive, which yeah.
14: we're absolutely chuffed about. We've just come off the back of a six-player game and it was an absolute riot. People were accusing each other back and forth for the entire game, which is what we want. It's, yeah. a, it's a paranoid social deduction game with hidden roles, so we're, we're very happy with that result. I remember we had
0: a lot of fun when we played it. It's great to see that you guys are still here, that it's getting very, very close. Um, make sure you let us know when either you're hitting Kickstarter or you're getting out there, because obviously we love to spread the word about local designers. Um, and it's great to see, we've seen a lot this weekend where, you know, I remember we met with Joel Finch, who has this amazing game you might have heard of called Unfair, and I remember when we played the prototype of that. And here we are, you know, six years later, this is put out, I think it's the third expansion. It's great to follow through on to see where everyone goes. So we're really looking forward to seeing where you end up with it, and what comes next? Have you got, well, not that I want to pressure you, but have you got anything <laughs> Else in the pipeline that you can tease us with?
14: Look, we've got a lot of ideas, ah. but uh, <laughs> we're, this is this is our first game that we've developed, so this is really our sort of tester, where we're sort of paving our own way and figuring out how this whole process works. And once we have that template, we yeah. can start pumping them out. But yeah, lots lots of ideas. It's your
0: it's your crucible. When that gold ingot finally comes out, it's going to be polished, and you'll be ready to go and take the world by storm. That's the plan. Hundred percent. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, lovely to see you both again. Good luck with the game and really excited to see where it goes. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest well. of your packs. You too. See you later.
14: See ya. All right. Well, my name's Ethan. I'm Chase. And we love the Dice Man Cometh. Oh, we love the Dice Man Cometh. The Dice Man, in fact, does Cometh. He's here right now with us.
0: <laughs> so I'm here with the board game designer extraordinaire... Melbourne local Carl Lang. Now, Carl, good to see you again. Yeah, thanks. Um, I think it's been a little while. Well, it's been a little while since everyone's been face to face. We haven't seen you for a while. So, um, from a design point of view, what's been happening with you? What are you up to?
15: Yeah, look, been pretty busy over the last couple of years. Um, I found, as a designer, it's been interesting um, through COVID. I've actually found, unlike a lot of things, I've actually had probably better access to publishers. Yes. Um, with everybody having to go online and start taking pictures online, so. Um, before, where it was really only access to the local um, local market, yep. um, we've had a lot lot more um, success, I think, getting in contact with some of the American and European publishers. Awesome. Um, so, I guess in the works at the minute, um, as I try and run through in my head what I've got. So, <laughs> I'm not quite sure exactly when we last spoke, but I um, won the Cardboard Edison um, Award back in 2020. I think it was 2020 was how they do their years, yes. um, which is the, um, the big unpublished game contest um that's run um by a company over in the states um so that was um i was pretty amazed that i won that one for my magnetic set collection game octopus scramble so you're manipulating this magnet oh this this cube which has metal faces around a board with magnetic tiles picking them up as you go um so that has recently been signed um by sit down a company in um in europe and that will be coming out 2024 so very uh looking forward to that finally hitting the market um people being able to see that one I also have um, the Bath House um, is one of my uh, my new upcoming ones that's going to be published by Good Games Publishing. Um, so another uh, local Australian company. Yeah. So great to keep it um, keep it in uh, on our on our little island down yes. here. Um, so it's loosely based on um, Spirited Away, um, the Studio Ghibli film, if, yeah. um, if you're aware of that, um, where we have um, a number of uh, creatures that are in bars, and we are all employees in the Bathhouse um, trying to play um, play cards to complete their uh, to complete the guest treatments. Um, earning points for those. Yes. Um, the little twist on the game being, um, you can always overspend with the ingredients that you have in your hand um, and to complete them, or if you give them exactly what they require, they'll give you a tip, so you get some extra points there. Um, we're just playing around with it at the minute, adding in some extra little, um, extra little elements. We've got some troublesome guests that um, disrupt the bathhouse um, that everybody can work with, uh, work towards completing. Um, and mean, they just sort of interrupt things and change how uh, how the game plays a little bit. Bathhouse Karen. Of <laughs> yes, no, so very, very, um, very cute little family friendly, uh, family friendly game that's been um, been receiving fantastic feedback from. Had a number of um, families and people with families um, saying that they, they think it'll um, be quite accessible to their children. Um, I've made it a little bit modular as well, so you can pull out some of the some of the elements to play with an even younger oh, nice. audience. So I'm really happy with how that one's coming along. Oh,
0: brilliant! Look, are you you're going gangbusters. Oh. Any- Anything else you want to tease us coming up? One
15: more that is, uh, I haven't quite got to publish a publisher sign, but I'm in the talks with one um, for uh, Dig Dwarves Dig, which is a push your luck dice game um, where we're rolling dice that have uh, gem, gem halves on them. Yes. Um, so you're trying to um, join these gem halves together to be able to earn them as you're going deeper and deeper into, into the mine. The, the trick being that uh, all the players are collectively working their way deeper and deeper into this mine. So we've got deep, deeper and deepest level dice. The deeper you go, the more risk there is, but the more reward we have as well with some multipliers and other such things, but also a dragon at the bottom of the mine. Um, so deciding um, how deep you're going to go um, as the dice are moving around. So we're collectively um, moving them around the table um, and deciding when to jump off the mine cart um, to secure your gems. But of course, everybody else can continue on working their way deeper and deeper through.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Look there's so much happening with local designers it's so exciting you as someone you know we, we would have maybe first talked like three four years before oh, COVID yeah. and like to see you know how far you've come and the whole hobby it's just amazing thank you for being such a huge part of it uh thanks for your support of the dice been Cometh and um we just look forward to everything that you're pumping out lovely thanks. to talk to you today Enjoy the rest of your thank you, And thank
15: you for supporting us designers. We really appreciate uh, being able to come on your show and yeah, and be able to spruik our works and yeah, <laughs> let the world pleasure. see it. Easy. Thanks,
0: Carl. Thank you. So here I am with Keith D. Franks. Now, Keith, we've spoken to you before, of course. Yes. I haven't met the first or the second, though. You could. Castles of Calera obviously yes. did quite well for you. Um, I know we reviewed it and we really liked it. That's true. So, firstly, I can see you've got copies of it here. What, what's happening with that? So... If you can't... If there's any secrets or NDAs involved, you just let me know, okay?
16: Nothing, fortunately. Or I get awesome. to give you actually a little bit of an inside scoop. Ooh. So, what you played was season one. Yes. Which is what I just played with our new best friend here. And then I showed him season two, Ooh. which is a small upgrade. Okay. So, there's, there's three notable cards that, that uh, I'll show you here. Yes. Uh, this is great for audio content. I yeah, have. that's
0: right. People on radio. Oh, look at... They're amazing.
16: Yeah. So the Forge was going to be um, a promo card for the Spaceship Readout Kickstarter. Yes. And the Spaceship Readout Kickstarter flopped, right? But Spaceship Readout still got made. And we put in the box two promo supercasters of Calera, that were different cards, Ah. Clifftop Prison. Yes. Right. Uh, and then Banquet Halls is the third new card. Okay. So basically, these three things come in and replace existing cards from the oh, 18 nice. set and make the game slightly more complicated, slightly more strategic. Yeah,
0: because, of course, it's it's one of those 18-card games, so obviously three new cards is going to change it up quite a bit.
16: Yes. Oh, awesome. Uh, and it makes it much more competitive, in my opinion.
0: Okay. And so, Spaceship Redoubt... I don't know why I've been calling it Spaceship Redoubt. But redoubt spaceship- is
16: correct. Okay. Um, so it's a play on words, Yes. so a redoubt is a secondary defensive position, Yes. and doubt comes from it being a social deduction game, uh, so saying redoubt puts yeah. emphasis on the pun, but redoubt is the correct word, uh, so okay. I've been the one intentionally saying it wrong to emphasise right. the pun, but yeah, Clever. especially redoubt.
0: So you said you took it to Kickstarter, yep. unfortunately didn't the get it across the line, hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are your plans with that one now? It's
16: actually published. Oh, you I, self-published? I, no, I pitched it to a team. They were keen on it. Ooh. It's now exclusively available for sale at thequestsuppliers.com. Oh. They're a local Aussie retailer. Yes. I'm in love with them, honestly. They're amazing. Yeah. And so they picked it up. They helped me with some of the development stuff. We ran in Harvey's on a print run. The game looks fantastic. Oh. I mean, you know, you can have a look at it. And I wish you could see these cards on radio, people. They're just amazing. We we basically got to make the dream version of the game. Yeah. Um, and we made five hundred copies. It's available in the store. And so, to so me, I'm like, I don't have to go through the hardship of the, the Kickstarter and the yeah. stress. The game still gets made. It's still on people's shelves. They get to play the game. Uh, and the gameplay of this one is actually really fun. I'm a nice. Big fan. But, and I know you asked about the future of castles. I'll swing back to that. Yes. Just this year, unannounced yet, we've. Come to an exact build of what the sequel to Castle of Clear is going to look like, which is a remake of the very, very first game I was make of the Between two Castles of Clear? No, I wish. I wish. <laughs> so basically, um, imagine Magic the Gathering yes. meets um, Star Realms Ooh. meets Wingspan Ooh. as the Magic the Gathering killer. I know everyone yeah. says that. So like, the main thing is that when you play, uh, so imagine Star Realms when you play your ship. In your ship and has its different uh, factions yes. whatever. Whenever you play something of the same faction, all the other cards of that yeah, faction activate yourself. in a row, like Wingspan does when yeah. you pick a row. And so basically uh, it's pirates and sea monsters and stuff, which yes. is the same part of the Loras Castles of clearer. Uh, but the Castles of clearer are a playable faction. Ooh. So you're going to see some of the same landmarks. Yes. But also you get to see the important characters of the game, um, so like big sea captains, big sea monsters and stuff like that. I can actually, I'll, I'll show you what, one of our big ones, this is the Leviathan, which is my phone wallpaper. Oh my
0: goodness. And so you can see
16: um, Tyela here, who is the son of a bounty hunter, yeah. um, raising up the the God Slayer in trying to defeat the Leviathan. My goodness, that looks amazing. So this all is... the art is the same high quality as okay. the Castle of clear art. And so that's gonna be our, our not next, but next, next okay, project. Yeah. Because I have this next, which is our reverse murder mystery, worker placement and drafting game. Murders at Tilwood's Manor.
0: (laughs) Tell us more about Murders at Tilwood's Manor. That looks fascinating.
16: Yeah, so this is both a video game and a board game.
0: What? I've just done a double take for people on radio.
16: Yes, I made both myself. I taught myself how to make video games so that I can make a a companion to this. Wow. The video game is you are a guest in the manor, you are trying to solve the murder mystery, and it randomly generates it for you the entire time. Yes. The board game Mm -hmm. is a reverse murder mystery. You already know who the murderer is, But you have cards that say, you score one point when Agatha Jackson dies. Uh. And so you're trying to encourage the murderer to be alone (laughs) in a room with Agatha Jackson. So she gets murdered and you score points. That sounds very clever. So there's a whole big emphasis on who's where, who's talking to who in the different rooms of the mansion. You're trying to get certain people killed, certain people alive. Different guests have different extra powers. Like the host, uh, one is the investigator, has been called to solve the murder mystery. They might find out who the murderer is and kill them. Engine the game early, but you score extra points if you wanted the murderer dead.
0: Wow, that sounds fascinating. You've been very busy, very busy. clearly. I did not lo- stop at all during the pandemic. <laughs> I was gonna say, being locked away <laughs> in the pandemic has obviously given you time to go crazy. It's fantastic. It's so lovely to catch up with you again. So good to hear you've got so many good things on the horizon. Um, we'll be really excited to see how they all do. Yep. Anytime, obviously, you've got copies for us to review. We're always happy to receive them. But apart from that, look, have a great patch. You packs. haven't played this yet, have I you? have not, no.
16: If you go and talk to my best friends at the Quest Suppliers, oh, yes. I'm pretty sure they would be happy to give you a review copy. Okay. I will definitely do yeah, that. Yeah. You tell them I sent you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Keith D. Franks III, thank you so much for talking to us here uh, on it's the always Dice Cometh.
16: It's always a pleasure.
0: Cheers. So here I am at PAX and I'm very excited to meet Leo Chung uh, to hear all about his new role-playing game, Parcelings. Have I pronounced yes, that right, right, Leo? Yeah, yeah, so, Leo, the reason why I heard about Parcelings was someone we both know, yep. Matt Lee from Adelaide, yep. told me about this quite innovative uh, role-playing game yep. with a deck-building element, which intrigues me. <laughs> and then when I spotted a copy of it
6: here uh, at another booth, I sought you out, and here you are. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Well, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to always talk to people about this wonderful, wonderful game. Yeah. Uh, Where would you like me to start? Before getting into the
0: detail of the game, how long have you been working on this? Where did the idea come from? What's the process up until now?
6: The origins of the game, the idea of the game started in a movie cinema Mm. when my partner and I were kind of talking about um, going to watch kind of this forgettable movie Mm -hmm. because honestly I remember more about this conception of this idea Um, we had just read, um, what was it, Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn. Okay. And we were just gushing about world creation. And we had been playing War of Darkness, and we kind of got fed up with the whole playing alone together yes. kind of gameplay, where people are just doing their own thing. Multiplayer
0: and... solitaire, we call that exactly. in board games. Yes. yes.
6: And we wanted to make something that was truly collaborative. So we had a couple ideas. Some involved people touching people and putting things in other things and that was less than PG. Different sort of role play, yeah? Yeah, different kind of role play. Um, It was okay if it was just me and my partner, but um, no, uh, I kid. But then we kind of got into the talk about making powers unique to people. Yeah. And then we fell onto the topic of identity and how words define who we are. Yes. Whether they're ours or someone else's and they're not always the same. Yeah. And that's where the idea was born. Hmm. Um, I ended up making this kind of a splat as for World of Darkness for a couple of people. Mm-hmm. Found that dice wasn't quite working for me. There was too much. There was a lack of control. Yes. There was too much chaos. So fast forward, I think about a year or so of trying that. Um, three campaigns in. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to make my own game. And then I decided to use cards because... I'd been playing Dominion a lot recently, yes. And so deck building was on my mind, mm-hmm. and I decided rather than going down the route of making specialized cards, I decided to use some easily obtainable playing cards. Yes. Um, because the idea is, I don't want people spending a lot of money to play my game. I want them to play my game because it's fun. Because they like what I've made, and I hate to say this as like a person that does. Um, do this now professionally yes i i I wasn't aiming to make money off it i wanted to make a good game that people would talk about people would play even beyond me yeah and i must admit when i heard about a role-playing game with a deck building
0: element immediately i thought of dominion type deck building so you're going to have special cards and all this stuff and then i saw it on the table and i saw there's four packs of playing guards and um probably now is a good time to Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about about the story, about the setting, and then maybe explain how how the Mm. cards work, how the deck building
6: works? Okay, so Parslings is a deck building tabletop RPG with a focus on collaborative word magic. You play as individuals marked by special tattoos, and these tattoos reflect who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. Alone, these tattoos are useless, but when you bring them together with other people's tattoos, you can make Uh, magic happen. So, what does the phrase cold shoulder mean to you? Uh, someone you don't want to spend time with. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. So, if you had a parsing with the word cold and a parsing with the word shoulder, you could make the magic of cold shoulder. Ah, you could you shrug f- someone off. You can shrug someone off. You can make other people shrug each other off. Yeah. You could freeze someone's shoulder, and make it super, super cold. Oh, my goodness. Or you could make the r- shoulder of a road super cold, slick. Ooh so it's very all, literal yeah it's all about interpretation okay. and what makes sense in that moment oh, yeah. and in that sense it keeps gms on their toes but these magical tattoos don't come from nowhere yeah. they come from these creatures called parasites okay and they're sort of like these parasites that happened instead of COVID in this world Ah. um so very it make, thematic it is it is mm-hmm. i wrote the whole quarantine saga yes um before COVID. Oh, wow. So I was like, oh no.
0: The world's <laughs> catching up with you now. Oh, absolutely. I'm, wa- I'm waiting for my, my tattoos to appear.
6: I'm still waiting for mine as well. <laughs> These creatures kind of eat concepts. They're like hungry things that don't know what they are. And when they hit animals or things that don't have a good, complex linguistic system mm-hmm. and understanding, I know there's probably like to say self awareness, but the level of intelligence. I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. They kind of devour them. They try to imitate what they've eaten. And they continue to grow, they continue to eat things that are like them, and they continue to act like the things that they ate. Yes. And they get bigger and bigger, they get badder and badder, and it gets really complex to what ah. they become. But when they hit humans, they find the fact that we constantly think about ourselves, and other people are thinking about us, enough to sustain them. They form some sort of homeostasis, ah. some biosis. Yes. And they become a Parsling. So, the cool story in Parslings, is about how people deal with that, what emerges about the thoughts of self and how sometimes we let what people think of us, what we think of ourselves, define us.
0: Ah, yes.
6: And we can change the world, whether it's for the better or it can turn us into monsters, like complete one-dimensional characters who just get more and more like that. The perfect example of something that happened closer to real life would be Marilyn Monroe, the bombshell blonde. Yeah. We don't really remember her as a person anymore. Yes, it's just an image, really. Yeah. So that's what can happen to a puzzle. And the main antagonists of this game are both other people, the forces that try to control us, whether it's for our own good, the world's good, or what they perceive as their good. Mm -hmm. And the people that have kind of fallen into this Cycle of just being one thing. Um, Yeah, that's kind of the story of Paz. Okay, and
0: can you, I don't know if it's possible without seeing the game, but can you explain a little bit how the deck building element works?
6: So, the way I like to think of it is the deck is your character. What's in the deck represents what they can do. So, you've got a deck of usually at the start of the game, 15 cards made up of diamonds, clubs, spades, and hearts yes it took me a while there <laughs> um, and each of these represents a different kind of mindset so the spades represents how your character thinks mm-hmm. and how they interpret the world yeah um, the clubs represent the ability to kind of interact with the world physically whether it's through brute force or delicate finesse mm-hmm. and then the hearts is all about how they interact each, with each other the how you talk to people how you charm people or how you outwit them okay so And then diamonds are kind of like a wild card And they've got special rules around Mm. Um, So the idea is that Anytime you want to do something You draw cards And the suits determine What kind of happens So if you want to Hit someone or attack someone You're looking for clubs If you want to sweet talk to them Or outmaneuver them uh, politically You'd look for hearts And if you want to analyse Or you want to learn about something It's all about spades Okay So, the idea is that you make a composition of these four types of cards and that changes the type of person your character is. And that's the core bits of the game without going into heavy crunch. And this actually helps GMs a lot. So, say you've drawn cards and they're all of the wrong stuff. Say you're trying to jump over a ledge and you draw all hearts.
4: Yes, oh dear.
6: Yeah. So, your character was intent on the social aspects of this. They wanted to look cool, they wanted to say they could do this, and they... Hey look at me, I'm gonna jump this lane! Exactly! And they forget to jump. (laughs) Alternatively, um, if they had all spades, they could have thought too hard about it. And they were frozen into inaction. So the cards help both the GMs and players roleplay out while giving them an idea of what's happening. When players get hurt, when they exhaust themselves, cards disappear from the deck. And that dynamically uh, changes what. Of it's going to about. change their personalities yeah. and their abilities they have. Yeah, exactly. And that keeps players on their toes. Some players have learned how to card count. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> which is kind of part of the game. Yeah. And it makes it interesting to see how the choices they make as characters changes from session to session, from situation to situation. It makes it feel more like a realistic model. Okay when you run out of cards in the deck, it's just showing that your options are running out. Yes. And so it kind of reflects your character's dwindling mindset. Okay, wow. So it's a, yeah. Yeah, no,
0: that's fantastic. And I just wanted to ask, have you
6: self-published? Have you got a publisher that's helping you? What's happening there? So about 2020, we went into Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. The game got funded successfully for... um, very fast yes i can't remember the exact figures yeah, yeah, we, done we it. can look it up yeah. yeah we were publishing through Smunchy games yeah um and Smunchy games has helped us all along they came in at a point where i was getting a little bit overwhelmed with doing a lot of the work yes because i illustrated i wrote most of the system i done most of the writing i did get a little bit of help here and there yeah but marketing and all that sort of jazz, it was beyond me back then.
0: I have to comment. The art is absolutely beautiful. It's really quite distinctive art style. It really sort of stands out. It's lovely.
6: Thank you. Um, so that's when I, Parsons is when I started taking art seriously. Ah. So before that, I worked as a dentist. Yeah, wow. Made some beautiful fillings, clearly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, works of art. And I found that my passion for games never went away. Yeah. I actually developed cataracts. Oh. And then I had surgery, so I'm better okay, now, great. but things aren't exactly the same. And I decided life was too short to be doing not what I love. Yes. So, Puzzlings was my first project, and I love it dearly. It's like something that will always be close to my heart. Yes. And it proved to me that I could do anything I put my mind to. But yeah, so now I'm moving into video games. I'm doing deck builders in the video game sphere. I founded a company called Paper Cactus Games, and now I'm plugging something else entirely. (laughs) Oh, no, that's fantastic. Well, look, keep us in mind as far as, you know, uh, informing us what's going
0: on, particularly if it's around a table, any sort of fun around the table Mm. we love. But thank you so much for Mm. providing us a copy for past things. Can't wait to get it home and get it to the table. Yep and uh, we will certainly get a review of it on an upcoming show all right but really appreciate your time today and i uh, loved hearing your story thank you so much thank you very much so now i'm here with amir from game tribe and when amir we've just seen this quite uh, amazing and actually seemingly very fully fledged game of yours called i'm gonna screw up the pronunciation Nataterra?
17: Yes, it's correct. Is that close? Yeah, it's correct. The name of the game is Nataterra. Yes, uh, it's a really Italian name since I'm half Italian. Ah. Um, Yeah, this game is an asymmetric strategic map control game. We have uh, four different civilizations, this is the reason why it's asymmetric. Every civilization has a unique set of seven units that you can recruit during the game. Uh, There is a tech tree system that you can go through uh, spending resources and uh, improve uh, your economy system and your units giving upgrade. Maps are built with tiles that represent different biomes, we have swamp, desert, hill and forest. And uh, where you gonna have a fight, depending on where you're gonna have a fight, everybody is gonna have a condition on the uh, combat that you're gonna have with other players. Yes. Uh, in this game, we have nine different victory condition, so every game can be really quite different. Yes. Uh, there is not a lot of randomness. I'm not a big fan of randomness. Yeah. Uh, there is just a bit of spice, uh, yeah. for, that you always need in board games, I believe.
0: Uh, you said you've got uh, sort of a deck element which you described as a factory that's making your unit stronger. Yes. Another deck, which is the... Something like the tactics deck or so we have a you...
17: tactics decks that are deck of cards with three option cards that you can use for surprise your enemy yes. using extra movement or extra special ability during the combats. So you wanna play in the right way and in the right moment. Yeah, that's it. Uh, we have a really unique system of combat that go through an initiative system where units are faster than others, and uh, we have a group system based on their of units that you have during the fights. On the map, you can also find mountain and lakes that are gonna condition your movement phase. Yeah, that's it!
0: obviously this is an audio medium but yeah. it does look really great and you mentioned yeah, yeah. Alex Winter is involved in the Alex, in the artwork graphic Alex design Alex
17: Winter, yes soon he saw this game he was really into it we had a game long time ago and was like yes i want to join this project he's the uh, main creator of the graphic design part uh, we also have two illustrators that are helping us to finish the illustration part but, yeah, mainly the game is uh, I am the only creator of so oh on wow. this project. And yeah. is,
0: this your, is this your first? This I mean, is
17: my first game. Wow. And it's going to be my first Kickstarter campaign. I will probably launch the game in the second half of the next year. Okay. Yeah. This is what I'm planning to. I'm really scared about it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it looks fantastic. There's a lot going on. Thank you. And uh, as you said, there's something in there for board gamers and for card gamers and war gamers?
17: Absolutely, this is a really good combination between a war game, since there are a lot of tokens and a lot of units to manage, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, is a ball game. The time of setup is seven, eight minutes, mm. uh, so it's really easy to set up, and then one hour and a half, two hours, the game is done, you can set up again, have another game straight away. The game is uh, for two, four players, uh, with four different civilization. Games go, as I said, one hour and a half, two hours,
0: Lovely. Well, we look forward to uh, to hearing how you go. Thank you. Obviously, so keep much. in touch with us. Thank you. Uh, so we can tell our listeners about when this is heading to Kickstarter. Yeah. But um, look. It looks really great. I, I feel you like so you're uh, potentially going to have a hit on your hands here. I
17: really hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm uh, doing this because I love it. It's not, of course. I'm not trying to celebrate. None yet. of us are
0: in this hobby it's, to make money. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
17: absolutely. It's been two years of developing. It's not finished yet. So, okay. Well, yeah. we'll look
0: forward to seeing the final product.
17: Thank But you thanks so much
0: for talking with us today. Thank you. Thanks Amir. Thank you. So I'm here with Kenny from Jolly Swagman Games. And Kenny, you've got, I have to say, an amazing looking game. Also fully formed by uh, by appearances, which is great for an audio medium. Um, but Scrap, tell us a little bit about it. Where you've come from, what you're doing with your game, and where to from here?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Kenny. I'm from Sydney originally, but I'm currently living in the ACT, ah. and soon I'll be jumping across the pond to New Zealand. So all throughout, you know, Oceania basically. Scrap came from an idea I had a few years ago around a programming game with robots. I love robots. I just all of the robot characters in movies like yes. droids etc so i've always wanted to make like a area controlish game with them but a lot of the mechanics in the game are actually inspired by a lot of euro games so there's a lot of control over what you can do there's pretty much no randomness in the game so yes. it's very much player agency driven if you make a choice you're going to reap the benefits or suffer the consequences basically
0: and you mentioned to us you've sort of got a mini game that's a little bit like scythe You've got a battle system that's a bit like Cry Havoc. Yeah, that's You've right. You've got a lot of things happening here. You told us about where the idea came from. Where are you at now with it?
4: Yeah, so at the moment, I'm in the very final stages of development. Mm-hmm. So I'm just ironing out the final creases, basically. I mean, what we've got in front of us right now, which all of the view- all of the listeners can clearly see, yes. um, is a, a pre-production copy, basically, which is pretty much a representative of what the final game will look like. Maybe some upgraded components here or there.
0: I do have to say, it is gorgeous looking. Um, you know, you've got wooden meeples, you've got lots of lovely art. Is it a local artist you've used for this? It's
4: actually an artist from the Philippines who's never done board game art before. Oh, wow. But he's done an amazing job. And I want to emphasize as well, so they're not just wooden meeples, they're heat stamped wooden meeples. Oh. The wonderful art that the, my artist, uh, Sean, has done has basically been transferred onto the meeples. It's
0: not going to peel off.
4: Yeah, like it's their, not at all. Like stickers. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, where I'm at now as well is I'm really prepping up for the Kickstarter campaign. When are
0: you going to Kickstarter? I'm
4: intending to go in mid-January 2023. Oh. So really, really close. Yes, it looks
0: awesome. You've given us the full description and you know we don't want to confuse the listeners. It's got a lot of familiar systems, but bringing them all together in a very unique way. I think it could have a lot of appeal. You may be onto a winner here.
4: Yeah, I'm hoping so. Hopefully, the backers and will see that as well. Yeah, fantastic. Well, look, keep us in the loop. Absolutely, uh, we'd love to share more
0: information about your game with our listeners when it goes to Kickstarter. Lovely to talk to you today, and have a great pack. Yeah, lovely to talk to you too, Buck. Thanks, have a good Kenny. One.
4: Thanks so much.
0: So it's packs on a Sunday, little bit quieter than the rest of the days, which is great because I get time to go around and talk to some of the people that I've missed before. I bumped into Alex from 219 Games. How are you going, Alex?
18: Oh, very good, thank you.
0: Now, you are, and your your game was one of the winners of the Oz Indie Showcase from the 2021 PAX, which is basically run online, so congratulations.
18: Yes, PAX has been fantastic in having everyone from the 2021 Showcase back. Uh, it was a real treat after PAX got canceled sadly last year due to COVID, but they've been really wonderful to support indie game devs like this.
0: Awesome, and your game is kingless. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about your award-winning game?
18: Yeah, absolutely. So, Kingless is a fast-paced, take-that game for two to six players. We set out to get a bit of a party atmosphere, nothing's too heavy, mm-hmm. but there's still a fair amount of strategy to the game. You should be able to play you know, three or four good games in an hour to warm up for a heavier strategy game, or to relax on a more casual gaming night. We focus on take-that mechanics with lots of player interaction, There are many, many ways to try to change the outcome, shuffle things around, particularly as the end of the game closes in. You as players can determine when the game ends by how you play, and you really want to do that on your terms, whilst also still managing to get the highest influence count at the end, essential points.
0: And so tell me about the journey for Kingless. So where did it start? Where are you up to now?
18: Absolutely. So Kingless started as an idea um, as all things do. Weirdly, this wasn't an idea for a game in and of itself. It was the idea to make a game about fantasy dwarves, yeah. which is what it is. It's fantasy dwarves attempting to choose who will be their next king in a fictional fantasy tavern called The Hammer and Crown. We had this idea. I pitched it to my two business partners at 219 Games. Uh, the games lead games developer, Nathan, scurried off, came back with a functional prototype the very next day. Wow. This was our first project and we just went essentially mad with passion. We threw this together as quick as we could and then began a year and a half iterative testing while we had all of the artwork developed, which was uh, 66 uh, individual pieces of art to go on the 102 cards in the deck. Once we had the game development finished and all of the artwork underway, we set off to Kickstarter. We were very well received, we managed to hit 200% of our funding goal and get everything to our backers shortly in the following year. From early 2021 onwards, once we had everything to the backers, we were able to get onto retail sale uh, in America, Europe, and Australia. Um, we sell on our own store and through Amazon, USA, UK, and Australia. Since then, we've been working on the expansion to Kingless, Festival of Explosions, as well as a number of other fun, exciting projects.
0: Oh, fantastic. So, if people want to know more about Kingless, where's the best place to go online?
18: Absolutely, so if they head straight to 219.co,
0: um,
18: they'll be able to see all the best sources for information on Kingless, um, as well as the company, how to get it, making everything as streamlined as straightforward as possible for yeah, them.
0: fantastic. So I didn't actually realise, you know, you you got it out to retail, which is brilliant. Look, I have to say, we are an audio medium, but it does look great. You've got lots of lovely art. Everyone loves dwarves. It's particularly topical now with, you know, the um, Lord of the Rings, and say Game of Thrones, but there's no dwarves, it's just a short guy. The fantasy genre, d out there, everyone loves it. So you could be on to a winner and we're really excited to hear a bit more about festival explosions maybe down the track.
18: Thanks very much, yeah, we, we've absolutely oh, you know, had so much inspiration to work with and it's ongoing, there's lots we're working on and we're always very eager to share it.
0: And you're a fellow uh, Hobartian. What about your other um of course you know we can tell by your accent that you're not native but that's okay we'll forgive you what about you the rest of the company are you all based in uh, in hobart
18: yes we're all based um in and around hobart weirdly somehow i am actually native i was born there but the accent sort of happened on its own (laughs) we are we are all native and we're to hobart and we do try to share as much of it with locals as possible we're really passionate about sharing locally just because that's where so much passion is
0: yeah fantastic look lovely to catch up with you alex hopefully we might might see you around the town sometime but otherwise good luck today at PAX and we look forward to hearing more about Kingless and the festival explosions perfect thanks so much here I am at PAX again we're flat out here today but I've managed to drag aside for five minutes Andrew Carpenter from both Logic Engine and five robot games so Andrew you've been a very busy man clearly tell us about all these games you've got everywhere I
5: have yes I've got a lot of games on the go at the moment we have the uh, Rising Stars contest that yes. uh, TGDO is running, uh, and I put two entries into that, and I was very fortunate to have both of my entries selected for the for the finalists. Wow! So uh, I'm very pleased with that. It would be. And I'm also in the collaboratory here, so I've, I'm demoing some of my prototype games. Okay. We've got a series of games I've been demoing there. Uh, on Friday, I was demoing uh, Dungeon Rivals, which mm-hmm. is sort of a, a tile-based puzzle game, a competitive puzzle game where yes. you're you're building a dungeon. Uh, but also raiding your opponent's dungeon, so it's a, you know, keep your treasure but steal everybody else's. Yes. Uh, today I've been demoing Floodlands, which is the project I've been working on in my uh, my team with other people, uh, which right. is Logic Engines game. Yes,
0: and we, Garth and I, have just played that. We had a lot of fun. Fortunately, Garth beat me, but that often happens. So I'm getting used to it. Um, and Floodlands, excitedly friend of ours Matt Lee he's working on that one with you.
5: He is indeed. Yes, we've got a team of four people we're building games together. Uh, Floodlands is our most developed game at this stage. We're working on a on a collection of roll and write games. Yes. That we are hopefully going to bring to market at some stage. Yes. Probably through Kickstarter. Did
0: possibly. you hear that Leon? Roll and write is a genre. Of
8: course it's a genre. How is
5: it not a genre? It's certainly a, a mechanic that you can build a, a whole suite of yes. games around. So um,
0: so, sorry, so Floodlands, you're going to be taking to Kickstarter, did you say? We, we,
5: are, we are planning on probably taking that to Kickstarter. We'll, okay. we'll see how development goes. We're still in early development at this stage, but our, our plan at this stage is probably to do a Kickstarter for print and play games. Yes. So low budgets, uh, downloadable digital versions of files. And we'll produce a bundle of, of Roll and Write games that people can print at home themselves and uh, they, can, they can play the games from there.
0: And look, I can see the attraction of that, but then the other thing is often, I'm probably one of them, People don't bother with roller rides because they think, oh, it's a, just a natty little thing that someone's whipped up and it's not a real game. Do you think you might offer maybe a deluxe version that has, you know, uh, an erasable mat, maybe a nice marker, maybe some D6s or something like that? I mean, is there? Absolutely. Yeah,
5: we're, we're, we're certainly yeah. open to that. We're looking at how we're going to be able to enter the market ourselves as a standalone. Yes. Uh, we wouldn't call ourselves a publisher. as a a development studio. Yes. um, So we're we're looking at what we can enter the market with, both as uh, something we can get out to the audience quickly, but also what's a relatively low risk as a new startup. So uh, something that is digital without any shipping issues, we can deliver it immediately to the customers. As our entry product, that's what we're aiming for. If we produce a a deluxe version down the track, that's certainly open to us. And we're also not averse to making publishing deals if yeah. publishers are interested in any of our if games. there's any
0: publishers listening, of course. Um, of course. And obviously, look, if you can get find that the game is very popular, then at least you know, oh, well, maybe we can go to the market with this with a hard copy version or something. So Absolutely,
5: yeah. Uh, That's our plan.
0: And you've got... So, Floodlands, you said it's going to be like, what, well, it's the first in a, a suite of games? Are they similar theming?
5: We're still deciding. We're, we're, we're probably going to do... Um, if we decide to go this route, again, it's early days yet. Yeah. Yes. We'll probably do collections of related games. Okay. So, some, and again, they'll, they'll probably all be roller knights or, or in the print and play mm-hmm. genre. Uh, related themes, so we might do one based on sort of adventuring or, or maps as a theme. Yes. Another one based on sort of uh, action style games. There's only so much action you can have yes. in a roller right, but it is possible we do have one in development. Uh, they're very early though, so we're not going to talk about those just yet.
0: Yeah, and we also, uh, Garth and I, just played your inventory management game. The title That's escapes the me. It's Inventory Quest. That's right.
5: That's a game about packing your bag yeah. for a long journey to visit the king. and uh, you. It's kind of like a reverse rolling Yeah, It's a flipping right, really, because it's card-based. you card rubbing base, stuff so out, basically. Yeah, you, go, f- you fill yeah. up the board completely at the start of the game, and you gradually erase stuff as it gets used up. There are occasions where you can find new things and add them back into the bag, but... Generally, it's a it's a process of attrition, trying to manage your, manage what's left in your inventory until you get to the end of your journey.
0: Garth actually had room in his bag at the end for his skeleton because he died.
5: (laughs) Well, I I guess that's planning ahead.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but but no, look that for us that was a winner. Um, Floodlands we really enjoyed. So I feel like you know you might say it's early days, but you've got some great great concepts, some great ideas there. Um, things are looking really positive. I think so. I've got two
5: more two more slots for, for Collaboratory here, so we've got at least two more opportunities to demo stuff. Floodlands may make another another appearance yet, but uh, I have other games ready to go. I definitely will be showcasing another game tomorrow called Slipstream.
0: That's your car With, game? That's
5: the, one, another the, one of the top five? Uh, no, the car game is cr- Crash Cuts. Ah, uh, two I'll,
0: car games. Slipstream. But, no,
5: Slipstream is not a card racing game. I'll explain that one in a second. But let's talk about uh, Crash cards because yeah. that is at the, at the Rising Stars, if people want, if anybody here is listening yes. and wants to try it out. Uh, that is a, uh, a racing game. I, I would probably describe it as Mad Max meets Mario Kart. Uh, so it's post-apocalyptic yeah. theme, but it's really about smashing into each other and yeah. trying to get ahead. Uh, that, There's that, a lot
1: of smashing in Mad
0: Max.
5: There is. It, it's, it's a card-based game, so you're, you're, you're playing in actions into a, into a racing stack. Yeah. Uh, some of the cards are known to other people, some of them are hidden, and then that stack gets reversed and, and revealed, and you resolve the, resolve the actions along okay. the track. Similar card play to Cold Express, Okay. but uh, the, re- the end result is very different. Yes. The game oh. I will be gaming tomorrow is Slipstream, yes. which is a uh, delivery race between a, a bunch of witches who are learning how to fly their brooms oh, at, the, okay. at the Witch Academy. So they've each been given uh, a collection of mail parcels that they have to deliver to locations around town and they'll have... That, that's Male witches. Male delivery witches, yes. Oh, as in... Not, yeah. not men witches. <laughs> witches delivering parcels... Yes.
0: Of... Commerce, yes. UPS
5: Witch. Exactly.
0: Yeah, FedEx Witch.
5: So that's that's a hexagonal tile-based game. The tiles place down the path the witches follow, and they stay on the board. Awesome. So it leaves a trail behind them, and the slipstreaming happens because you can jump onto their trail oh. and use that as a shortcut to get further along the board. So it's a bunch of piggybacking on top of each other to get to where you need to go as quickly as possible.
0: Sounds nifty, and uh, look, you've got a lot happening. There's a, there's a lot happening in there. There is a lot happening, that's just
5: the ones I'm demoing. I've got a bunch more. Wow. Well
19: that's
0: fantastic. Well wow. look, yeah. Andrew, lovely to meet you. Hope you hear a lot more about all of your games. It's good to and, meet you uh, too. best of luck at PAX this weekend. Thank you
5: very much. I hope you enjoy the weekend.
0: So it's Sunday at PAX, and I'm lucky enough to come across Joff from Joff Games the designer of a little card game that we got a copy of, played it, and we had a lot of fun with it, Heroes and Wizards. So Joff, welcome to PAX. Thank you. And tell the listeners a little bit about Heroes and Wizards and then also what you've, what you've been up to and how it's been received here at PAX.
19: So Heroes and Wizards is a simple card game. The idea of all of my games is that they're really easy to learn for people who are both really into their games, but also beginners who haven't played a game before. So there's the strategy for the pro gamer, but there's also the easy rules and the accessibility of how it all works. And it's really easy to just jump in and start playing. So that's how the games, all my games are. But Heroes and Wizards in particular is a fantasy style game. So it has a theme that's really fun and it's all about collecting fun little different characters. So it's a very fun and easy game to, and very lighthearted. Which is the sort of game that I like. Yes. Hopefully, it's the sort of game that other people can relate to and get really excited about as well.
0: Well, I think so many people do, and I mean, look. Here's the other thing: it's you know the your typical fantasy tropes. Dungeons and Dragons is resurging again. Yeah. So it's cool from that point of view. It has the sort of a look of a Zelda or a Fantasy Mario or something with the uh, with the card art. But as you said, it's also. The, the play is actually quite um, intuitive. It's not complicated, but it's just got a few little wrinkles to that you can, if you want to, you can really go hard We can play sort of a friendly type of game.
19: Yeah, and I've put a lot of effort, as simple as the game is, I have put a lot of effort into the gameplay to make sure that you can play it in different ways. So yeah. you can play it with kids and you can play a really G-rated game and, and make it nice and calm, but you can also get really nasty and you can attack people just because they attacked you first. We definitely played and the R-rated version, yeah, that's for sure. So I have put a lot of effort into that. And as you said, with the style of the theme as well, there's a lot of effort putting into making those tropes that you find in games like D&D, in movies like Lord of the Rings. I've really lent into those tropes. There's names that make fun of characters yeah. like that. There's characters that are clearly stereotypes of those genres, so if you are into D&D, it's a really fun game to play. And often, in fact, I've played games of D&D and some of the character cards in the game are D&D characters that I've played games with or ah. they've been my own characters in a oh, D&D ah. game and cool. I've translated that to one of the cards in this game. So they really are inspired by Dungeons and Dragons and shows as well, movies, awesome. Game of Thrones, that sort of thing. Okay, and so
0: Geoff, lastly, if people want to find out more uh, about Heroes and Wizards or get in touch with you, where would they find you on the
19: internet? So you can find my website at joffgames.com.au. That's J-O-F for Joff. There's not two Fs in there. <laughs> and you can buy all my games on there. You can't buy Heroes and Wizards yet, but it'll be available very soon. Um, I've been away, so I haven't been able to add that to the website yet, but there's yeah. no that'll be there as soon as I can get that up. And you can buy all my games online or if you want to make a larger order or something like that, you can always contact me. My contact details are all on the website. So that's my main point of contact.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Look, Joff, lovely to meet you face to face. Thanks so much for sending us a copy of your game. We did have a lot of fun with it. And I wish you all the best here at PAX. Thank you. You've been listening to another episode of the Dicemen Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.